everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast episode 259 for the week of March 16, 2013. I'm your host, Chris Privet, here, here with a bunch of RPG Gamers Finest to discuss the week's RPG news and related RPG content. First off, coming from the frigid north, she immigrated into the U.S. No, not really, but she came down in hopes to find warmer climes and instead found even more frigid north, Anna Marie Neufeld. I'm not entirely certain that Chris is wearing pants right now. I am wearing pants right now. Don't you try and change the subject. I, they're warm. They came out of the dryer. They're nice. <sighs> Let's see. A man whose country's tea was not good enough for us. John Yerworth. Oh, you guys are still bitter about that, huh? Um, yeah, we are. That's why we Hold dumped the tea much? into the thing. It was great. All right. Finally, coming from America's newest state and the play, home of America's Next Top Model and other things that you can start with America's blank, Emmanuel Marino. I'm not from Puerto Rico. I'm oh, from California. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we've established you're one of the newest states of the Union. No, I'm 31st. 31st. That's not Hawaii so Hawaii was admitted in 1959. Wow. Did you know that? That's no. pretty decent. That's pretty recent. When was Alaska? Anyone know? Uh, let me look it up. Yeah, I'll ask it later. Um, so let's see. Uh, did you set up that joke? Terrible, Chris. <laughs> Is that what you set that joke up for? <laughs> Sorry. 1959. Wow. Both 1959ers. Both 59ers. All right. Different than the 49ers, since, of course, that's obviously when California joined the Union. P.S. Don't listen to our podcast before do- taking a geography test. All right. Recently, 1850. 1850. <laughs> Why do they call the 49ers? One year of gold rush, and then boom, you're in the Union, huh? Gold! <laughs> gold. There's gold in them dare hills. Manny, obviously an expert on California history. All right. So tell me, what is the California Adventure Experience, or whatever that is, that Disney has? Um, It's a completely different park right next to Disneyland. Is it like one of the other parks they have? Um... I can't remember if they split the park in half or they built an entirely new park next to it. You been but to it at all? No, okay. but you can get a really cheap pass where you can get to both parks for the price, you know, with one ticket. One. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it'd be more expensive if you bought them separately, but if you get like the bundle, you save like maybe you know, it'll save a good chunk off the price. And it does have its own good. It has some pretty good roller. From what I hear from people, it has some pretty good uh, roller coasters of its own. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm planning out honeymoon stuff, so I'm just thinking about everything. Uh, it's a fun place to go if you've never been. You get a little bit of like the flavors of California. You get like that prospecting gold rush kind of feel with the like the old wooden roller coasters and such. Tell me more about the flavors of California. Uh, California has uh, is a pretty large state with uh, probably the most diverse biomes in the United States. So you can go from Mediterranean tropic all the way to you know no I mean beach you know, beach fronts. It's I'm so tired. <laughs> it's quite a varied state. Like within an hour, you can be in you can be in snow and mountains. You can be at the beach. You can be in the desert. You can be you know in a nice green forest. But I, so, I was more interested in the taste. I was under the impression that all you guys served there was um, Pacific fusion food and various vegan hamburgers and stuff like that. Oh no, no! Get a burrito in the mission. You can get what the mission. Oh, I don't know. This is things I hear on podcasts. You tell me. You gonna tell me about hella stuff now? I don't know how hella cool that is. Is it? Is is the mission cool? I don't know what the mission is. No, I'm making fun of the San Francisco people. Okay. <laughs> well, you're in you're in L.A., which means 
17 cities that are one or something like that. Um, I don't know. Enough about California. <sighs> that, that was our California experience. Adventure. Adventure experience. Right? Food? <laughs> no. <laughs> Talking about California. That was our California adventure. Oh. <laughs> That's like Puerto Rico Let's talk. I've been there. To San Juan, have. I have. We tried to go to a rainforest, but it was closed due to government shutdowns back in <sighs> freaking the 90s. U.S. government. Yeah, yeah, there was budget issues, <laughs> so they closed the rainforest. I don't know how you close a rainforest, but they did it. Uh, it's closed. Yeah, it was a great place, though. It was middle of December and super hot and awesome, and there was a pool and um, pina coladas. Jeez, why don't you guys just go to Puerto Rico on vacation? I don't you don't. You don't need a passport. Yeah, you do. That's- you do. It's, Calif- it's it's the U.S. I know, but Anna's looked into it. She oh, you guys looked into Puerto Rico? Yeah, it, yeah, it's a territory. Yeah, so there would be issues with the immigration stuff that she's got to go through. Oh, that sucks. That, yeah, that would does. be like the, that'd be your loophole to get into like a nice tropical place. Well, there is yeah, Hawaii. Still, Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii's uh, still open. Hawaii. All right. <laughs> Enough about travel. Let's talk about games. <laughs> the opposite of travel. I stayed in all week and did what did I do, Anna? I played Etrian Odyssey four and just last and oh more SimCity. Um, what's it called? SimCity, SimCity, SimCity. It's just called SimCity, isn't it? Uh, no, no it's called Parameter String. Parameter String. SimCity reticulating splines because you know they can't get enough of that joke. It's on every loading screen. Uh, I played it. <laughs> no, you watch the load screen. There's I watched the load screen for a while. Then eventually I got in. Then I, I played it for a while and then realized that nothing's working right in my city. And so I stopped playing it for a while. And then I went back later when I heard the game was so broken you could just play with residential areas. And I tried to make a city with that. And you know what? It's working. <laughs> no places to shop, no places to work. But the Sims are happy and they're making money somehow. Apparently uh, my economy is completely run by park vendors. Which is just awesome. <laughs> That game's messed up. It's so I messed up. I don't even know why you bought it. I, because I started this website with Sean and Ethos. Um, even older listeners to the podcast might remember Sean Lucifer Cooper and Ethan. No man, Ethos nobody Piper. remembers nothing. Yeah, nobody remembers anything. No, but, it's uh, funny. Like you, you hear the stories that Sean Elliott tells about how people come up to him and ask him, like, "Why do you get to go on that podcast?" Or have you ever heard of this show called uh, "A Life Well Wasted"? You know, talking to like people, you're off the air for like a like a month. People forget who you are. Why do you get to go on that podcast? Oh, he was going to guest star on a podcast, uh, the Idle Thumbs podcast, on Elliot. Yeah. yeah. And one of his coworkers is like, "Wait, why do you get to go on a podcast?" Because <laughs> he's Sean Elliot. Yeah, but the, like little did they know that he's like you know one of the guys who popularized gaming podcasts for everybody. <laughs> wow. And then, and another, I mean, like another one of his coworkers, long time up to him, said, "Like, oh yeah, so we're thinking of doing this new podcast for rational for rational games. Have you heard of uh, a life low wasted?" Little did they know that he was on like the concept episode and helped create the concept with, you know, Robert Ashley, and was on that first episode. And <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm telling you, you're you're you leave for a minute, people forget everything about you. No, I think game developers just don't know crap about podcasts. Is what you're proving? Okay, maybe one of those is you, but people people have a short memory. Oh, funny. 
Um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, uh, they were heckling me on Twitter about how terrible EA's current state is and uh, how I said once on one of his Lucifer's show that oh, Origin is fine now. Um, so I've now made the site isitfinenow.com um, to monitor the status of EA's fineness and you can keep up on all the SimCity drama right there. And that's all I'll say about it and we'll move on. Uh, other things I've been playing, Mass Effect 3, I'm into the Omega DLC and that's really long. That's a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Dude, why aren't you playing Citadel? That's like the awesome song. Because right? that's like the that's the end cap. I can't I can't eat the frosting before eating the the entree. Does that make sense? You put frosting on your entrees. I I mean the cake before the entree. See, everyone is tired. We're all stumbling on words. Don't yeah. give us no grief in the comments. All right. <laughs> you know that they're gonna give us grief now because you asked them not to. Uh, I hate the internet. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take the grief. Uh, Omega's fun. Um, it's not Citadel. I'm sorry I don't have impressions of Citadel for you to share today, except everything I've heard about it is good, um, which is to so, say Giant Bomb really likes it, and that's all I've heard about it. Everyone really likes it okay, from good. what I'm hearing. All right. Have you – what's the first female Turian like? She's she's good. I It was weird. I, I didn't know why it was weird, and then you just put it together for me. She's the only female Turian in the game, isn't she? Yeah, like ever. <laughs> Like, yeah, even in the extended fiction, huh? Oh, um, there was one comic where there was, like, one panel with a female Turian. Uh, but, like, in all of the games, you don't, there aren't even any female Turians in the background. Well, so far she acts just like all the male Turians, except she's got a higher voice. Does she actually sound feminine? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I knew are, she was a girl by her voice. Are the Turians the ones that work by scent? No. Okay. They're like uh, they're the the silicon based bird people. Yeah, except they don't look Sorry. like birds. If you're not familiar with the city, you don't really get why they're birdy, you know. But you know. yeah, they have big exoskeletons. She's a lady with the big red thing on her face. And... Oh, her. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And Arya's back with her attitude as usual. Yeah, and she's in your party. It's cool. She's got all some right, cool. nasty biotic abilities, um, and you get to level them all up, pick what they are, and I like it. And the basic story is you're 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 understanding why you couldn't go to the what's Omega. Well, that was actually explained in a comic, and then what this is is the payoff to that comic, where it's like (laughs) the Cerberus knocked Arya out of, um, basically forced her out of Omega, and you're helping her take it back. And there's a series of missions and stuff on board the station to gradually take it back. You know, I, I. Sometimes I think I like transmedia sometimes, but other times, no, my God, it's so convoluted and ridiculous. Chris, well, you don't, said you know, they, yeah, I know. I like polymorphic content, Manny. That's what oh, we say on the show. It's polymorphic. Not polymorphic content anymore. <laughs> yes, it is. That's, I'm calling it. A tra- it's a transmedia experience. I'm keeping polymorphic content alive. Thank but, you, Square Enix. That's just yeah. so ridiculous. So it's an, <laughs> an end cap to a comic. Well, that probably okay, ties they into explain a novel. that. They explain it in the game. I mean, it's not the only place you learn about it is the comic. If you talk to Aria in the Afterlife Lounge on the Citadel, she'll tell you that she got forced out. So okay. it's, it's not the only way you find out. But I mean, if you want like the full experience, I'm just saying that's what it is. It's the payoff to that comic. And you're like, I want to help her take it back. And like they didn't have it in the main game because they're stupid money grubbing jerks. And so now you have to buy the DLC and do it. And I'm sure it's overpriced. It was probably 15 and should you have to pay that much? I don't know. At least it's longer than Leviathan. Hey, at least you got the Prothean for free. Oh, wait. I did. You bought the 
collector's edition. I did. <laughs> so that I guess that's not really free. <laughs> yeah. All right, but you're enjoying it, though, so that's good. Yes, I'm enjoying it. Um, all the Mass Effect 3 DLC has been good. Um, so that's that's a good thing. And I hear, I'm hear i looking forward to getting into Citadel and seeing how they wrap it all, the DLC at least, all up. So I'm surprised you haven't finished it, though. It's not like... Is the Citadel, like, most, are most of these experiences, like, three hours long or so? I, I don't know. I just haven't played much. Because okay. there's been other things I've been playing, and, like, getting back into Mass Effect still um, involves going over the hump of, oh, aren't I done with Mass Effect 3? All right, I'll play it some more. And then you play it, and you're like, oh, this is fun. This is a good game. And then you're just like, oh, aren't I done with Mass Effect 3? So I'm dealing with that. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking at your list of games. Man, you've been busy. I have been busy. There's been a lot of World of Warcraft lately um, because they open up a new area and stuff. I talked about it last week. Is that where you can get the Triceratops? That's where you can get the Triceratops, yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Do you have a Triceratops? I don't. I'm not a hunter, so I do not have a Triceratops. All right. Anna, Triceratops? What? No, I don't have a hunter. Nobody has a hunter. All right. No hunters. Sorry. Anyway, that's all I did. Um... Anna, you are the one who played the new game of the release that, uh, of the week that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I missed doing my now playing last week. So um, on the forums, we are, we are doing a um, catch-up, like a March Madness backlog. So anything in your backlog, you're challenged to attempt to um, finish. So... I, That'll take me two years. Yeah. Well, it was finish as many as you could. Yeah, not including so, digital games, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I finished um, StarCraft Two: Wings of Liberty because right. I started playing StarCraft. <laughs> she was on the second to last mission. Yeah, I didn't realize how close it was to be. So you sat dead. on that mission for like a year and didn't realize you were almost yeah. done. <laughs> so, yeah, I finished Wings of Liberty, and then I played the first four missions of Heart of the Swarm. Yeah. Because I'm not used to managing my larva that way. Oh, playing Zerg's different? Yeah. Yeah. And remembering to put down creep tumors with my queens. So there's just, there's so much more to take care of with the Zerg. But I like the fact that I can take, you know, two parties of 30 zergs and like descend on stuff and absolutely decimate it that's cool do you like the dynamic of having like a hero unit that's actually powerful and useful and all that yeah oh yeah yeah she's really nice um it's it's cool because i mean there have been times where it's like i do a push and all of my zerg are killed and i take kerrigan back and then i just bring up a new set of zerg so they're fun the, the the best part there though is when you get one of the uh, tier abilities for um, Kerrigan is uh, all of your any killed Zergling is resurrected at your hatchery at the rate of ten every uh, I think it's it's ten every thirty seconds or something. Um, yeah. Have you got that one yet? There's one that it's like a sniper, and then there's one that it's like an AOE. That basically acts like the Phoenix pickup. Yeah. And those are the two that I have so far. Okay, yeah. It's one you unlock. You can unlock a little later. So. So you can basically have a huge swarm of Zerglings really easily. Like, even more easily than you can normally swarm Zerglings. Wow, nice. 
So yeah, I haven't gotten very far, but I like the story so far. Kerrigan is a big bitch, and it's awesome. So get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> Sorry, you just got me thinking of aliens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and I started and finished Paper Mario Sticker Star. Okay, so tell me, there's controversy. Is this or is this not an RPG? It's not an RPG. <laughs> not even close. And the problem was that I spent the first you know, few hours of the game really bitter that it wasn't a real Paper Mario game. Once I got over it, I realized it wasn't that bad of a game. Okay. The story is really cute. Um, you know, the graphics are really, really well done. Um, the pacing of the game is really, really good. Um, the the World 3 got a little long, but everything else was really, really well paced. Um, I like all the secrets. I like the stickers. I just wish combat wasn't useful, you know, as useful as tits on a bowl sort of idea. I just don't like the fact that there's no payoff for combat. So do you find yourself, like, avoiding fights often? I don't avoid fights, but I don't go out of my way to well, find them. This is like, like saying an action game has no payoff for combat. What do you mean by that? Um, well, it's a Paper Mario game, right. so I expected to get experience and cool stuff out of battle, and well, I just I don't. Well, so in it, in theory, the battle then should just be fun. Is it? Is it well, not? I, I think maybe one of the problems is that you end up using your stickers for no real reason. Okay. No, no. I mean, there's so many stickers everywhere, Manny. That that's not an issue. Okay. And in fact, um, I really like. There's sort of like a little mini game and I don't like calling it that but um, basically partway through the game a toad opens up a sticker museum and so there's like 90 stickers and 87 things well what happened I don't know something happened to her mic Oop. yeah there you go there's 87 yeah you guys heard that right 87 yeah. something yeah there's almost 200 stickers to collect and you actually have to stick them up in the gallery Oh, is that what you've been posting on Twitter, those pictures? Yes. Okay. So that was my gallery progress. I got pretty far. I mean, you know, it would probably take me two or three hours to finish it up. But, I mean, I don't have a strong urge to go back and do it. I enjoyed the game. Like, it isn't like I feel that it was time well wasted or anything. What is the basic story? Um, You're celebrating the sticker star and Bowser comes and stabs it with a stick and it explodes. Okay, so Princess Peach has not been kidnapped. Oh, yeah, she gets, she kidnapped. gets kidnapped. Okay. <laughs> of course she does, Manny. Uh, someone call Anita Sarkeesian. Yeah. Someone call the, the trope Lady. chick. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, he, he stabs the the sticker star and ends up getting shiny and ends up um, spreading around all of the other shiny stickers from the sticker star. And those become the, the world bosses. So, and it's cool because when you beat a world boss, you get a poem about how they got their sticker. So, how does a level play? You say it's platforming, so there's like a normal Mario game? No, no, it's not platforming, it's action. Oh. So, does that mean. But it, with separate battle systems, right. screens. Right. Well, that just sounds slow and boring. Um, it's not slow and boring, but yeah, I mean, this is the problem is combat doesn't have a point. Well, other than to kill the enemies right. and move through the stage, right? Right. Because that's the only way you progress through the stage? There's enemies no. in your way you kill them? Or do you just jump over you, them? 99% of the time you can avoid 99% of the enemies. Which is good since there's no point in combat anyway. Right, right. Okay. 
So it's you know, all this talk is making me do is just want to go play the GameCube one. <laughs> That's a good yeah, game. I, um, and then I went from Paper Mario Sticker Star to New Super Mario Brothers 2. Wow, and it's I, the year of mediocre Mario games, Anna. Good job. It was terrible. Oh, really? I hated it. You hate it? Oh, <laughs> like, I told oh. you not to buy that, didn't I? No, you told me not to buy Paper Mario. <laughs> and I really liked Paper Mario. I, I should have told you not to buy Super Mario Brothers 2. I thought I did. No, uh, it was crap. <laughs> I went through all six zones. I unlocked. Um, Wait, I you played all of it? Yeah. Wait, you beat I didn't it already? unlock the two optional zones, but I mean, I rolled credits, I killed Bowser, and as far as I'm wow, concerned, that was fast. Done. Well, you're not going to try and get a million coins? <laughs> you know what your reward is? A different title screen. <laughs> yeah, we should go back to playing New Super Mario Brothers U. That game's actually fun. That game is awesome. So, um, this week I also Chris encouraged me to get into Pixel People on the phone, much to his um detriment cuz it's awesome. Wait, why is that? Wait, can I ask detriment? one quick question about uh Paper Mario before I forget? How many... You beat it, right? Yep. How long did it take you? 20 hours. All right. But, I mean, I also went through and got every single secret door sticker except for one. Using a guide? Yeah. So it would have been much shorter if you didn't do all that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could probably do it in 12 to 15 hours. All right. So really... Okay. So turn-based RPG without the RPG, as Funaman puts it. Yeah. Okay. So, pixel people. Yeah, I mean, and it's sad because it's like, I feel like the game grew in every single other aspect of it. It's such a well put together game. And I just, I'm, I just had to get over the fact that it wasn't a, it was a paper Mario game in everything but the combat system. And either you're going to get over that or you're not. So if you feel like you can get over it, and I don't mean that to be rude, then play it. Because it's actually a good game if you're not hung up on that. Um, if you feel like Paper Mario games are, you know, this RPG experience that you had and you love it that way, then don't. Because you'll just be angry at it. Is that fair? Fair enough. So, Should it have been a non-Mario game? Um, I don't have a good way to answer that. Okay. Well, your expectations wouldn't have been there for all this stuff that it should have been. Right. You know, if it hadn't, I don't know, if it had been Paper Mario Gaiden. No, just Paper New IP Man. No, because I mean, it felt good. It felt right as a Mario game. It just didn't. This is what makes it hard to explain. Is it felt like a more Paper Mario game except for the combat system. Okay. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this whole SimCity thing. I wonder if they just would have changed the name to SimCity, you know, colon online. If that would have made a big difference. Yep. Instead of saying this is the next big entry in the SimCity franchise. Oh, no, this is SimCity online. Yep. That would have been and everyone a big deal. Can... Yeah. SimCity online, the game you can actually play offline. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anna, you well, tell us about Pixel People. So, um, basically, this is a small futuristic world where you get clones that warp into your 
um, entry center and you need to splice two sets of genes into them and that dictates what job they're going to have. So you can dictate, you can splice like a mayor and a secretary together. You can splice like an athlete and a poet together. And as you unlock additional jobs, you unlock additional places for them to work. And so I have like this little city with like floating houses in one area and all the recreation places in another area and all the places to work in a third area. And yeah, it's a time sink game that I'm just really liking it. I don't like the message of this game. You're born <laughs> to be something terrible. Yep. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> all right. So, and yeah. then take us home with Fire Emblem. Um, so I started playing Fire Emblem Awakening this week, and I got really hung up on who should marry who for a while. Oh, I was stressing it. And then Chris was like, why don't you just marry people whoever you want? I'm like, oh, hey, that's a smart thing to do. So I like that. I, that's apparently my advice. Just do what you think you should do. Anna didn't know what she thinks she could do, but now she well, does. Was she worrying about like strategically, like who yeah, would be best? Because basically, in Fire Emblem, in the new one, Awakening, um, you marry people, and they have kids, and the kids inherit their abilities and stats from their parents. So there is actually like a pretty deep system of you do kind of want to pair together the right people to make the right kind of kid. This is not this is not going to be good for you, Manny, is it? <laughs> now I am selectively breeding. <gasps> it's so, okay as long as it's a cow. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's great so far. It's Fire Emblem. It's tactical RPG. Um, I love how much side stuff there is. It's distracting me. I'm on like mission nine and I've played like 10 hours of the game at least, if not 15 what about the story itself, like the main story? story is good. Um, <laughs> like the way you said, good. Makes me wonder. I mean, I'm not far enough into it to make... Everything is happening so fast right now mm-hmm. that I don't feel overwhelmed, but it feels like bam, 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 bam. They're trying really hard to set up a bunch of things all at once. Too complicated for its own good right now? No, not at all. It's just, it's like watching the first episode of a show where it's like you have to introduce every single character and all of the conflicts for them. What a bad show. You it's more like a pilot, actually. Yeah, yeah. We could say since we all just right, watched. And you're the CES executive, CBS executive. Well, yeah, we just watched the West Wing pilot last night, and that's exactly how they do it. It's like, yeah. let's introduce every character, their backstory, their motivations in like one hour. Oh, yeah, that was weird. And I, I find it hard to believe that that lady who's at like at the law, at the famous law school works in the watch and doesn't know what POTUS means. Yeah. I don't buy it. You mean either. Well, she was stoned. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How inside. Only people who've recently watched the West Wing pilot will understand that. I watched it recently myself. So I know yeah, because West Wing just got on Netflix. So I bet it's you a lot everything. of people are just watching it. Yeah. Because before it was on Netflix, but it was disc only. How lame is that? That's lame. So now it's um, on demand. All right. So, Anna, people want to know about DLC and Fire Emblem. You touched it at all? Uh, no. I hear it's overpriced for what you get. Uh, here's the thing is, every time the DLC for any DLC that first comes out is on sale, and then afterwards it goes back up to what they call normal price. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you want it, get it when it comes out. And if you want it, get it when it comes out in a package. 
because it's like you can get three chapters for six bucks or individually for three dollars each. So um, I think a new one just hit today, so we need to download that. Sounds good. For free. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is if you get in really fast, you might even get it for free. If you get in somewhat fast, you'll get it for cheaper, like $1.99 or 99 cents. And then if you wait, it'll be three ninety nine. So, you know, you snooze, you lose. Cool. If you want it, get it. Get if it. you don't, don't complain about the price afterwards because you weren't going to pay it anyways. All right, John. We're waiting for you. Um, well, I suppose the problem here is I've actually finished the Heart of the Swarm story. Good job! Um, what I really should have done was play through the game on hard rather than normal. Why is that? Um, well, generally the thing is, is, um, I'm not really quite sure how to phrase this. It's sort of like, if you know anything about StarCraft 2 and how to play real-time strategy games, the uh, abilities that you get as part of... Um, the campaign, you know, like the campaign own abilities that you got in Wings of Liberty might make some of the missions a little bit easy. So it breaks the game in your favor. Yeah. I mean, there's still elements of balance in there. Um, and a couple of the missions are genuinely quite tricky, even on uh, normal, particularly once um, the Terran forces start deploying siege tanks, you know, because they are basically about as anti- uh, you know, the anti-melee zerg as you can get until you can get counters specifically for them, like broodlords, which you don't get until later. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, um, I think I will play through it again on hard because it was fun. It was a, it was a fun, enjoyable experience. Yeah, I mean, Blizzard's writing is kind of like sort of campy, almost sort of campy B-movie sci-fi-esque quality to it, but it's still fun. So my favorite StarCraft missions are the ones where you're only commanding a small squad through a map and not doing the full-on um, full macro expansion stuff. Is, is what are those called, like, the they, complex missions? Yeah, I don't know. Do they have a lot of those or no? Uh, there's a few of those um, where you can sort of control um, Kerrigan and a small group of units. Um, the other thing, I'm not sure if Anna has gotten to them yet because I can't remember if you get them four missions in, um, but basically you have uh, these little mini-missions called um, evolution missions where um, you basically partake in a, 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 a short pair of missions, which if actually if you look on the um, using the campaign editor for those missions, they're actually it's two completely different maps on the same map. Um, and basically you... Um, you go and find new genetic material uh, for the Zerg to consume to permanently improve uh, one of your units in one of two ways. You pick one and you lose the other. Um, For example, uh, the two choices you get for... um, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember what the second one is, but the first one you get for Zerglings is um, Zerglings gain the ability to cliff jump and uh, leap ability, so they can leap towards enemies. Hacks! That's Which wow. makes them a lot better at um, marine killing. Like they weren't already. Yeah, yeah, but what this allows them to do is the same thing that Zealots do. They yeah. close the distance a lot quicker, which makes them a lot more lethal. I think... Th- oh, I think the other one is... Um, I'm um, trying to remember it's the one I'm thinking of. I think you basically zergs at the same time. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's it. They build a lot faster, and it hatches three zergs at the same time instead of two, the usual two. Yep. Yeah. 
Whereas the cliff jumpers ones uh, still hatch at two at a time, but they get a small attack bonus to compensate. So, you know, that's the missions are basically you, you can't really lose them, but you get a good sample of which one. Because yeah. once you make that evolution choice, it's permanent. Yeah, so. yeah, because that, that choice. Because when you. Um, there is also a selection you can make where you can choose one of three mutations, which gives a small bonus. Uh, but you can switch that um, anytime before a mission. So. But yes. Um, a lot of fun. I will probably play it again. I may even play the online for once. They're going to use the new tools, right? That They have a bunch of new tutorials to actually train you to play the game online. Yeah, might do that. So yeah, we got to get together and do some more 4v4s. Yeah, and the rest of the stuff I've been playing is uh, more Macross Monster Hunter and more Metroid Prime, which is still a highly enjoyable game. Wait, Metroid Prime on what? Uh... Metroid Prime, the original. Actually, Uh-oh. I've been playing. Well, I've actually been trying to finish the trilogy. So, Metroid Prime, Metroid Prime Two, and uh, Metroid Prime Three. Did you get the Wii trilogy? Uh, I have the. Um, uh, I do have a copy of the Wii trilogy lying around oh. somewhere. But you're not playing uh, that but version. I also have original GameCube copies of both one and two. That game had a great art style, so I would imagine it still looks pretty good today. Yes. Retro Studios did do a very good job. Yeah. It goes to show you that art style matters more than, you know, high resolution, than that, like how nice your textures were at the time. Because mm. I'm sure that game has aged pretty well. Anyways, but yes. Dude, you're embarrassed about this, but you shouldn't be. You're emulating the GameCube versions? Yes, I'm emulating the GameCube so versions. So is this making them look awesome? Yes. See, that's oh, what so I want to know more about. All right. Yes, the the texture scale up for both does look incredible, but you really do need to have a powerful machine to cover that. Really? Okay. So this is a Wii emulator or, or a GameCube? Oh, I guess it's a GameCube emulator. It's huh? both. No, it's both. Oh. Dolphin is both. It does both. So how do you play? Do you can you p- plug in a GameCube controller? Uh, I have a PS2 controller configured. Could you play huh. mouse and keyboard? Uh. Yes, that's because that's how I'm playing Metroid Prime 3. Ooh. I'm playing Metroid Prime 3 con- uh, with the controls configured so it plays like a first-person shooter. But you can't do that with the first two? Uh, not in the GameCube versions. Oh. Well, I suppose you could. you just got to make sure you map the... Uh, you got to map WSAD and all of the controls to that correctly to the GameCube controller. But remember that um, Metroid Prime 1 and 2 didn't have a, like, effectively a mouth... Um, a, a mouse look feature, where, which is something oh. that you can emulate with three and the trilogy versions of one and two um, yeah. using the uh, Wii controls because you, you use the mouse to emulate a Wiimote. Um, the reason why I'm not using the trilogy versions of one and two is um, the trilogy version fixes all of the speed, uh, the speed running and sequence breaking glitches from one and two. And also, the Wii uh, emulation is a bit more unstable on my system than the GameCube emulation. Oh, I never played reason. two. I should go back and do that one. I want to see so. some screenshots of this emulated upresed version. I shall post some to you later. Call me crazy. Was Sweet. two the Ikaruga Metroid? Huh? The Ikaruga Metroid game? Oh, white and black. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I Two is actually my favorite of all three. I should have played that one. I don't know why I didn't. I like cool, Ikaruga, cool. but I'm bad at it. 
The end. You and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's that's our recently played, everybody. What about me? Oh, wait. What'd you do? Oh, what I do? <laughs> well, I know you didn't play any games. It says, look at the list. Okay. Dev Sum 2. Developer Summit 2? Yeah, I went to the Developer Summit here in Los Angeles, and I uh, summoned a few demons. Jack Frost was there. Oh, he's good at coding. He is, he is. I was in uh, Taisho era Japan. Anyway, I've been playing some Devil Summoner 2. Here's my Devil Summoner 2 report for the week. All right. All right, I took a few little notes, and I just go over them real quick. Okay, so I'm still loving the music. I need to get myself a soundtrack for that Devil Summoner game. There's, it's, ma- it's mainly the same, the original track. I mean, it mainly uses most of the original track from the first game, Devil Summoner 1. But there are a few new tracks in there, which are pretty nice. But either way, I still need to get like some high-quality versions of the Devil Summoner soundtrack. Okay, I finished Chapter 1. I'm now in Chapter 2. I get a general idea of what the story is right now. I'm sure there's a few, few twists going. Basically, luck, luck, luck. This game is all about the luck. Um, let me see. Uh, I started doing some of the side missions now that they really opened up. But my biggest gripe there is that you can only take one case file at a time. So, like, you'll get, like, a case file to go. Someone will be like, hey, there's something going on over here. This house is cursed. Go explore what's up. I'm thinking, okay, great. I have another case file in this, like, on the way. I'll take all three and then go. But I found out you can only – I found out I took, like, the last one that I went there and then the mission wasn't there anymore. Like, oh, great. I overwrote the one that I came here to do. So. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> only do one at a time. I wish I could just load up on, like, all the case files and go out there and just cl- complete them as I go. But nope, one at a time. Uh, I was thinking that this that there's a, you do a lot of running around back and forth, back and forth in this game, like you do in a lot of our JRPGs. But some it fits a little, it fits a lot better here narratively and sort of contextually because you're a detective. So it feels like you're legitimately doing legwork. You know, you're investigating, you're running around, and it, you know, it's, it it fits very much with that old style of JRPG. And I feel like there should be more detective RPGs. It fits so well. You talk, I mean, <laughs> it's so bizarre how you get to every new town, you talk to every single person. Like, you would never do that in real life. Hi, I just got off the plane. Tell me about your city, Seattle. Well, Seattle is a great, the Space Needle here. The mayor of Seattle just recently instituted a new law where, you know what I mean? But in a detective thing, you, you know, it makes sense. You run around talking to people. Have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy? Yeah, yeah. really, it's fun. So it's, like, um, it's and, Shenmue? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm looking for sailors. Have you seen any sailors? <laughs> is this where sailors hang out? Excuse me. Are you a sailor? Um, or was he? <laughs> yeah. That was a very interesting game. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's fun. I, I really enjoy just playing Detective at Fitz. Which makes me excited for Shadowrun because Shadowrun's supposed to be just like that. You know, you're Shadowrun, you're, uh, you run around, you're doing lots of legwork to get intel on your cases or what's the best way to hack into this facility or steal this data. So it should be fun. Mm. And they because really I watched a lot of, of that this, yet, but Huh? They haven't really showed any of that yet, though. Um, they should very like, like, like three seconds of it, maybe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that that mission was thrown together just to give people an idea. Yeah. But you can imagine, like, they said, like, I, I read in the forums, like, uh, that apparently that mission is like a tiny little one and like main story missions yeah, it's are going to be like story mission yeah 
like but even this one's a small one of those this will, so and that one take like maybe 30 or 40 minutes with like not not much legwork but like maybe a main mission will be like double the, more than double the length and there'll be a lot more investigation parts a lot more like you know just getting information talking to people and that kind of stuff if you want it the, the, i mean those missions are there and of course with the editor you can build some more one but you know watching those uh those alpha videos for Shadowrun they were talking about how they don't have a lot of money to render all this stuff, so they need to do a lot of stuff with text to sort of like and sort of rely on your uh, imagination to render all the graphics that aren't there. You That's know? great. That's good they, though. And it got me thinking because as I'm playing this game, I'm like, this is this is exactly what they were talking about in Shadowrun. Like in a lot of ways, they're building like an old school JRPG because mm-hmm. so much of the context and flavor of a Double Summoner is in that theater of the mind stuff, like. Um, it, it's much in the same way as Shadowrun is how like the, you know those are painted backdrops here they're all like pre-rendered backdrops and you sort of you know character models are moving against them and like it's interesting though because you would think that kind of stuff would be outdated now but because it's in your imagination it actually it actually still kind of works and plays like for example to give the, the city more flavor like more of that flavor you'll walk past a, like a storefront and it'll say push X to investigate and I'll investigate and, be, and it'll say like a little like text box like inside you see a man working on a you know making shoes in traditional fashion you can see sweat dripping off his brow I'm like okay so that's what's going on in that shop and then I'll go on to the next shop you're like oh there's a there's a confectionery store you can see the one behind the counter stealing a few treats for herself I'm like okay I see what's up over here you know just like little stuff like that yeah, like even something as simple as a transition, to like to, to a new area in chapter two, which is like an all new village that I've never been to, but that was complete, that wasn't in the first game. And it'd be like you took a long bumpy road. I mean, you took the bus off the train, and it was a perilous journey. You walked up this hill. I'm like, okay, you know, it, it's like maybe a minute or two of text, but it sort of sets the stage. And I feel like they did, they probably didn't have a lot of money making Double Summoner one and two, which is pretty obvious. But with the little money they had, I think they went a long way. You know, they rendered what was important, and the rest they just leave to your imagination. So I like it. That can work. I think that's just old school RPG period, Western or Japanese. I like it. Yeah, you're right. I agree. And it's fun to go back. It's fun to build, play a detective, and most of the detective, all of the detective work is just like, like you'll see like a little flashing point on the ground, and you go over and you push X, and it'll be like you see a footprint. The the you know the the the, the image is too large to be a normal blah blah blah. It must be some kind of demon. Look around for, and you know, you'll start investigating. Oh, here's another one. This one looks like it clawed up. Like, yeah, like you said, old school pen and paper role playing, just using your imagination. Let's see. I want more detective RPGs. If anyone knows any, you play Deus Ex. Is Deus Ex a detective RPG? No, not at all. Um, um, you can sneak around and read everybody's email. <laughs> That's about as close as you really get to detective work. Oh, um, what about maybe the Law and Order games, Manny? But this is more adventure game, right? But that's, yeah, yeah, much in the same way. I mean, adventure game is kind of as close as you're going to get to, to detective work, I would think. Yeah, um, it makes me sad. What is, like, there's that, um, oh, that, that company that makes 2D adventure games. They've got a lot of them out now. Um, uh, um, uh, I know who you're talking about. They made Gemini Rue. Uh, oh, that's Wadjet Games. Yeah, I think it Wadjet might be. Wadjet Eye? W-A-D... J-E-T. Yeah, I'm going to their website now. Hold on. And see if they have the one I'm thinking. The Blackwell Deception series by them. You might want to look into that because I think that's cool. detective work adventure gaming. And like you've got the spirit of a dead detective helping you out. So, <laughs> so and you're a psychic. So that you might – there's a demo. Give that a shot. That might be good. I think it's on oh, the map too. The last thing in the last part of my update is uh, the combat – 
Um, it's it's still pretty fresh. You know, the, adding the extra demon in there and adding like the demon fusion at any save point really speeds up the gameplay a lot. It's nice to be. Oh, and there's a little thing that uh, apparently when you get a demon, there's a random chance that he'll give you his business card. <laughs> you know, if you're like, here's Jack Frost's business card, and it makes it a little easier to recruit demons the next time. So I like just, you know, if I'm near a save point, I'm like, I need some better guys. I'll just run around a bit. Oh, and I forgot the most important part of the detective work is that you actually use your demons in the detective work. Like, Whoa. like for example, um, you know this lady's hiding a secret. You, you show her a picture of a guy and you'd be like, you can tell, like the text will say, she quickly looks away after she reads the text. So he's like, oh, she knows what's up. And then like this new little option will un- appear next to the X and you'll be like, oh. There's a question mark underneath her name. That means one of my demons can maybe induce her to talk. So then you'll pull up maybe like a pagan order demon who can read minds and then you'll read her mind and you'll be like, so she does know who this guy is. And then you can ask her directly. So apparently you took this picture, didn't you? And she's like, how did you know that? So you're like, I caught you in a lie. Dun, dun, dun. You know what's going on. Like there'll be other examples like where you have like a make another demon that can like light up clues that you couldn't see otherwise, or one there'll be like a hot tempered guy who's yelling at you and you can use like Jack Frost to cool him down. So it'll talk to you this more rapidly. This game sounds now. awesome. Why didn't I play this? Yeah, there's a lot of fun. It's like it they take the demon it's like they take all the fun parts of Shin Megami, the devil the demon negotiations, uh the you know, fusing guys, you know, the action a little bit of combat and like lots of theater of the mind stuff, lots of detective work and you and your demons are useful. You actually at some points, you can send them on their. You can send them by themselves to do their own little mini investigations. You'd be like Jack Frost. I can't fit through this hole. You go through here and you go tell me what's going on over there. Go spy on the people if you have to, and then they'll come back and they'll report to you and be like, "This is what happened during the investigation." <laughs> so it's fun. Um, we'll expect more reports next week. Just as long as he doesn't have a good feeling. Good feeling. Oh, and Anna, I found. My little Jack Frost, the uh, plushed guy. Yay! Isn't he so cute? He is. It's so funny. I'm looking at him now, and he looks so poorly made. <laughs> but he's cute. They, that no. was um, that was Atlas's April Fool's joke um, that year, was that pirates um, stole the shipment of the Jack Frost plushies. Oh, were people pissed? I can imagine. <gasps> Unbelievably angry. Yeah, he still looks good. He's a little dusty because he's been sitting on the shelf since uh, 09. So, But, nice. you know, I, 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 I pulled him out so we can start playing the game. Oh, yeah, if you don't know what this is, Chris, it's like basically uh, it's a little uh, Jack Frost plushie dressed like uh, uh, the main character, Raido. Yeah, Except I do. he's called Raiho. Yeah, it's weird. And, and you can actually recruit him in the original game. I'm, I'm still waiting to see if I can recruit Raiho in the next game. Mm. All right. There it is. There's my. We covered that that um, plushie on this show back when it Did came we? out. Yeah, you reviewed it. No, we we talked about the news. St- I remember going over the news stories about that plushie. Oh, okay. Because this didn't come out that long ago. Um, within the within the lifetime of this show. <laughs> All right, let's move on to feedback, folks. You okay with that? I'm good. Sounds Where good. can people continue to follow your uh, Devil Summoner Two adventures? On this podcast, and I should get into the forum. I will get into that forum and start putting some updates. What forum is that? The one that I haven't seen yet. Okay. <laughs> there is a forum on our message boards in some section. I don't know what it is. All right. Yes. Did you put Until it in then, the Snap be... Review Blogs? Or... He doesn't know. Yeah, I have no okay. idea. Have no <laughs> wherever so. Sam put it. <laughs> yes, wherever she put it, I will find it, and I'll put my updates and tell the... 
Man, it's so much. You know what? Pokemon would lend itself all to a detective game because it's the same basic structure. You get you recruit some guys and you use them. Pikachu, turn on this thing so I can get sneak inside. That would require innovation, and innovation and Pokemon do not go together. I'm just saying, there's a lot of stuff that Pokemon would do well. MMOs, you name. Oh, we get the freaking. (laughs) Man, they'll never do a Pokemon MMO because it would take away from the single player sales. But of course, if you want to draw circles on your DS screen so you scratch it, we'll let you do that. Yeah, totally. Because I mean, then you just have to buy another DS. Okay with that. Okay. Uh, Hello, podcast chaps and ladies. I recently quit my job and have some spare time out of my hands and wanted some of your suggestions on games to try. What are some of your hidden gems from the last few years, RPGs or otherwise, that you believe I should play? Any platform except iOS or Android. You bigot. (laughs) Um, I I feel like the Sam and Max Adventure games just don't get enough love. They're awesome. Hmm. And they're good for someone... That just has a lot of time because it's one of those things that you can pick up and put down or you can just sit there and play it. And since they're all out at this point, you don't have to wait for the next episode. Or you could go play the Back to the Future games where they clean up a lot of the stuff that they were experimenting on in those. I'll say Devil Summoner. Devil Summoner, that makes sense. Because when's the last time you heard me talk about a JRPG? (laughs) Um, all right, last few years. Valkyria Chronicles is an important one. Um, what else do we have? Did you ever finish that? No. Um, let's not talk about what I finished. Okay. <laughs> That's a different discussion. Um, you can have fun with the Mass Effect games. Is I, that I really know. a hidden gem? I, I really don't know. Oh, hidden gems. He wants hidden gems. Okay. What's a hidden gem? That's why I said Devil Summoner. That's something that I think most people just passed yeah, on. Yeah, Devil Summoner then. All right, that makes sense. Um, hmm. Did I play any hidden gems, Anna? I don't know. Did you? I don't know. You know, the first thing you suggested. I can't remember uh, what I play. Yeah, Valkyria. Valkyria. Yeah, Valkyria is definitely a hidden gem. Okay. You'd probably pick it up really cheap if you get it. Yeah. No, if you have a PS3, go for it. What about the Yakuza games? Um, which one would be the best one to jump in? Yakuza 3, maybe. Okay. There you go. Now, that's an old-school JRPG. I don't care what anyone says. That is just blah, 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 like... Ooh, rent and play through um, Asura's Wrath. That's cool. Especially if you like anime. Um, all right. Um, and Historia. Radiant Historia on the DS. Ooh, there you go. Radiant Historia. Huh? Cool, cool. John, you have to have one. Right? I have to have one more. Sorry. Hidden... <laughs> A hidden gem oh, it, from the last few years. Hidden gem from the last few years. Hmm. Tricky. Tricky. I suppose imports are out on this one. Um, yeah. Because he uh, just quit his no. job. He can't be spending money on imports. Um, I wouldn't say it's from the last few years. Um, but uh, you could always give Startopia a try. Ooh. Given that I feel like I'm the only person who's ever played that. All right. And then what's... Do we have one that's, like, really long? You know, all the Atlas games you're seeing at reprint. So if you ever want to pick up any of those older SMT games, mm-hmm. maybe a good chance to play through Devil Summoner 1 and 2. Yeah. Not Devil's... No, Digital Devil Saga. Digital Devil Saga. Okay. The, the one is... which is basically Final Fantasy X 
for Mega, for Mega Tensei series. <laughs> I might also recommend picking up like a Tales of game if you just want like traditional JRPG that goes on for a long time. Because that would work too. And it doesn't really matter which one you pick up. Vesperia, Graces, Wait for Zillia. What about uh, Lost Odyssey? Was that... Or Blue Dragon? Um, I don't know if I'd call them hidden gems. Okay. For a reason. They're hidden appeals to some people, but not everybody else. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that I liked the most about Blue Dragon was that I could play it in French. (laughs) That was its sore demon quality for me. Mm. Yeah. This is a little harder, though, because I... Like, I guess we like lots of big stuff, right? Yeah, he, he, he gave suggestions of the sort of games he's looking for. Alpha Protocol, Gravity Rush, and Crimson Gem Saga. Um, calling Crimson Gem Saga a hidden gem seems very um, merciful. Um, all right. Anyway. It's good if you like that style of game. If you don't, Chris, you're not. What is that? I don't think anybody... I don't know that anybody who liked that kind of game calls it good. Too bad. Did you like it? I didn't play it. Oh, okay. Well, neither did I. So it's a PSP game. Let's see how it did. Oh, it did well. Wait, what are we talking about? Did we just hate it at RP Gamer? Maybe that's what happened. I don't think so. But I got it. Okay, so Crimson Gem Saga is awesome. Go play it. Is what we're going to say? Yes, okay. Yeah. South Korean M- RPG. All right. Wow, it's on iOS. I didn't know that. That came out on iOS. I wonder if it plays well. To check that out later. All right. Uh, continues to say, finally, Chris, did I miss the game of the year podcast, or am I correct in assuming it didn't happen? You're right. It didn't happen. By the time I had time and the ability to put it together, it just it was too late, and I decided I will save you all from the embarrassment of a February game of the year podcast because that's just ridiculous. So it just didn't happen this year. Um, too many things going on in life. Uh, hugs to all from a cold horse burger ridden UK. Showyab. Thank you, Showyab. <laughs> Next, <laughs> yep. Next, hey there, Chris. This is definite fatigue setting in with. Oh, there is definite fatigue setting in with Kickstarter, but I feel people should be selective in what they choose to back. For me, the thought process when deciding whether to back a project is one: how interested in the project am I? Um, some games I just want to play the final final product. Others I'd be happy to peek into the creative process. Two: do I feel strongly enough about the project that I want to give them money up front, or can I wait for the final product to be released and then decide if I want to buy it? And three, will my not funding the project potentially mean it may not pass its goal? Sometimes you just need to back a project as they need your funding. Overall, crowdfunding is a great route for projects big or small to get financial backing. I'm even cool with Veronica Mars being put on Kickstarter as I just don't believe it would have been great greenlit by WB. Um, by the way, this is the first... I had never heard of Veronica Mars before this Kickstarter stuff this week. I didn't know about it at all. Isn't it all on Netflix too? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's good. I assume people like it <laughs> since the Kickstarter is going. Uh, okay. For games specifically, I would like to see more original games being made and less the likes of Baldur's Gate, but that is just me personally. What is your view? Um, regards, yeah. show yab again. Sorry for the second email in a week. So, yes, I would no, like to no. see more original games. Yeah, totally on board with you there, show yab. Except it's the, it's the old names that bring in the big cash. Yep. But that's that's the Kickstarter process, right? The original games get smaller funding, and then they get the people noticed by publishers, and then they can go make big games and then become famous, right? Well, Isn't the good that the point of Kickstarter? That all no, that- because there's lots of people that go to Kickstarter because they don't want to be part of a big company. Yeah. I, I heard Kickstarter described pretty nicely recently. It was, uh, it's the Sky Mall for hipsters. 
<laughs> true. <laughs> that is so true. Oh, I, I'm not even going to say any more on that because we've got so much more feedback. All right. Dear RPG Cast, Shaman here, and I would give my opinion on Kickstarter, but I'm not exactly equipped to use it for various reasons. However, I'll just wait for the inevitable sales once there's an actual product available because I believe in instant gratification and don't need the swag. You've been on a roll lately, so let's see if you can answer for me these questions three. Note, no unladen swallows were involved in their creation, and I apologize to Ocelot for the slight gimmick infringement. Number one, next week at PAX East, Square Enix has big news for Wii U owners, and all signs point at being Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yes, a port of a game that released in 2011 and can often be found for $5. What excuse will Square Enix use to try and sell the game to Wii U owners for 60 bucks? and what could they include in the pack to actually make it attractive at full retail price? Bonus points if this is a test in the proud tradition of the Resident Evil 4 Wii Edition. It's just going to be the ultimate edition that came out on Mac with all the DLC and some gimmicks where you can read people's emails on your pad or whatever. A test. A test of what, I wonder? What he means by a test in the proud tradition of Resident Evil 4 Wii edition. Was that Capcom testing the Wii as a platform? I guess. Or testing how big of a sucker their population was? Well, whatever. The, The point being they're testing if they can get sales on that platform, right? Hmm. Don't forget the map on the gamepad. Yeah. yeah, well. Map on the gamepad and... If they um, include all the DLC and it's a chance for people who never maybe never played it to play there's it. There's only one DLC. Um, I, I mean, well, there's the, the pre-order packs. Oh, okay. Sure. One of them included like a mission that tied to the original Deus Ex. Okay. Yeah, but Manny, I mean, not to be insulting, but realistic question here. How many people on Wii U that don't own another system that Deus Ex is going to be on that haven't bought it already. Where they could buy it Honestly, cheaper Anna, and have it I, look almost the same. at who owns a Wii U. <laughs> you could have just ended that sentence there and I would have agreed Ice with you. Ice cold burn. Um, you, know, you know, they sold 67, they sold under 70K this month too. and I mean, in February too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I have no reason why this would be a game anybody should buy. Especially given how ports have been working out on the Wii U, and generally poor. Mm. All right, number two. Does anyone else still get weirded out when Steam, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live Arcade, and so on announce a big Square Enix sale, and it's just a bunch of Just Cause 2, Deus Ex, Sleeping Dogs, Tomb Raider content? You should be grateful. That's the only thing making Square Enix money at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who cares about Square Enix anymore? I mean, it's dead. It's done. I I don't think we're going to get another good RPG out of them. I mean, What are you talking about? We're going to get another Deus Ex. Oh, okay. Eventually. Some year. Not this no, year. No, apparently they year. have two teams over we there. Will, you're right. We That's will get funny. the next Deus Ex probably before we get Versus 13. I'm fine with that. <laughs> so sometime in 2016, when Deus Ex 2 comes out, we'll still be wondering, where's Deus Ex? Where's uh, Versus 13? And, oh my gosh, how terrible was that um, Lightning Returns? Yeah, apparently Idols Montreal has two teams, so they are, there are people working on Thief, and there are people working on the next Deus Ex. Okay, so it won't be that long. All right, good. I'm happy. And honestly, I don't mind that Square Enix is now really just Square Idols. It's made them relevant in the West. In the West, People actually care about their big releases now. But it also means they're no longer focusing on JRPGs in any way, shape, or form. And I'm seems. saying that, I mean, relevant, I mean, like, to the gaming public at large, like, everyone. Yeah is talking about, you know, they care about 
the new Hitman game coming out. They, oh, everyone cares about the new Tomb Raider. They all liked. Everyone loved Sleeping Dogs. They got accolades. These aren't like these. It's not like these are bad games by any stretch of the imagination. You're right. So, You're right. You're right. And at the same time, it's game. a Paper Mario expectation. I expect Square to make JRPGs, and they're not. I hear you, and you're totally. I get you. You're totally right. I think I just made that transition to, to the other way around of thinking like it's not an RPG, so I'm just going to enjoy. Screenix wanted to become a big Western developer, and they did it. They, yeah, there. and they haven't released a bad game yet. Uh, uh Quantum Conundrum. Ex- yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like it. What else we got? <laughs> I no, had a like, feeling there was something else, but all right, I'll let you go. I'll, I'll let that slide. Hey, hey! If 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 that money keeps the doors open and then that lets them give it gives this company plenty of breathing room and keeps their investors happy, so they can continue making the JRPGs you love, albeit at a slower pace, I'm not going to complain. Hmm. Hey, uh, well, it's not. I'm still waiting for that Final Fantasy XI expansion. Oh well, I I should have said slower pace, not great. I mean. Let's say slower, not glacial, right? <laughs> but they're still working on stuff. Square Enix, st- I mean, Square Enix Japan, they don't have those studios open for nothing. They're still doing, I would hope so. <laughs> they're still doing a lot. And not just iOS ports and Android ports of games that are way too overpriced. Is it weird? Is that the problem? Is that the biggest stuff that's coming out of Square Enix Japan like recently has all just been iOS and Android ports? Um, that seems like a big problem, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we will show you a Final Fantasy at E3. You know, I think that's... They just yeah. they just kind of lost people when they did that at the PS4 announcement, I think. And even when they do, they say that, but when is it going to come out? Is it going to come out in 2013, 2014? It's just, they haven't shown anything relevant lately. And, you know, Lightning Returns is still coming. I, I assume it'll be out this year. Um, and... They haven't said anything about that either. So it's just you know what's weird. crazy? Yeah. D4 is a Square Enix game. Yep. And the internet exploded when those things, when those, when the, the news that 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 uh, D4 is coming. That's what I mean by like Square Enix is like really relevant to people right now in the West. Do people really care what Square Enix is doing? Yep. Which is funny because it's just Eidos, but who you know who 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 makes those executive decisions? Square Enix corporate does. Yep. I'm just sad in that completely winning over the Western audience. Wow, she just unmiked herself again. Anna, um, start from from that statement over. Yeah, you're good. You can good talk. now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I said that I just I feel it's sad that in gaining themselves this huge Western audience, they've alienated their original fans. You're right, and that was not the way to do it. You're absolutely right. I, I'm just excited to see them relevant, like like really, you know, putting out these good games that people care about, but you're right. I mean... Yeah, they should have two labels, and each label should be making simultaneous announcements. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Oh. Or, you know, more good games for people, for the company. You know, let's be honest. You should be you should be so grateful to the people who got you to this point. The people who made you the money so you could buy items and all these other companies. Uh-huh. Oh, well, number three, we all saw the wall of logos at the PlayStation 4 announcement, and whoever's eating, I can hear you eating, or or scrunching plastic, or whatever that is. <laughs> it's weird. All right. Uh, at the PS4 announcement, which included JRPG giants like Atlas and giants like Ideal Factory, 
or Idea Factory. How long from PS? Yeah, this. How long from PlayStation Four launch will it take for their games to come out, or will they just stick with the PS Three for the time immemorial? Oh, who knows? But then this tie into like a another email you got later down. Um, Supposedly, and this is something that um, I can't confirm because it was like told you know person from a person. Supposedly, anybody who had their logo up on that board has a launch window game planned. It was like everyone was on that board. Yep. Yeah, but that and and this is what I the sad part is. Don't read too much into that. What that means is that everyone is doing simultaneous releases on all the platforms. And you're going to get like an upscaled, upscaled version. Right. It'll look slightly better yeah. on the PS4. Well, but I can't. That isn't in the. That isn't normal for Atlas or Idea Factory, though. Do you think hmm. they'll be like on the PS4 digital store or something? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what Atlas could have. I, yeah, Atlas could have. A, see, Atlas has so much now. I don't know what. The, the, it could be a lot I of. I mean, things. I think for the PS4, they're going to do something like overclocked HD. Where it's like it's the same game that was on the DS, but it's been upscaled and a bunch yeah, of. Yeah, but what what is the PS3 game that they would upscale? I couldn't tell you. I, but no, but I mean, if in order for them to do that, they need a PS3 game to remake. PS4. Right. How about Persona? Persona Four. You Persona put it, Four. Oh, another upscaled version of it. Or how about just put Golden on a Golden on a TV. On PS4? Mm-hmm. All right. So what's the extra modifier? Persona Four Golden. That it's on a TV. No, no, I mean, there's another word that we need to add to the title. Oh. Persona 4, Golden... How about this? Just call it P4 on P4. Ooh. P4, P4, PS4? <laughs> P4, P4? <laughs> hmm. PS4, PS4. I could see that. Kind of. I, I don't know. I don't think that's happening, but all right. P, P4 plus, say people. What was the... But, yeah? But is that how much time have they had to make these games, so... Um, Dev window. kits have been around for like two years. Okay, and launch window are we describing as like what? The Six first months. months. Six months. Okay. Six months. So that is like well a year and a half from now. Right. I mean, we're we're literally about talking about it could come out as late as next. Ooh, Cavalier is a good point. It could be a sequel to Persona Four Arena. Yeah, I that could would see make that. a lot of sense actually. Hmm. Okay. Four by four, <laughs> good one. All right, dear the role playing games podcast. I herewith present you with the following queries. Number one, I have been hearing a lot about Dragon Guard three this week. Can anyone explain if this is at all important, relevant, or interesting? I defer to your collective opinion. Hey, isn't this a Square Enix Japan joint? Yep. All right, yep. there you go. You There's got a your story game. about this. And since he brought it up, let me get the story out. All I remember about the first game is that there was incest. Was there? I didn't play it. Okay. Um, I think Billy reviewed it for us. That's how much it was loathed on staff. Screenix announced upcoming issue of Famitsu that, after eight years, the company's currently working on Dragon Dragoon 3 for the PS3, known in America as uh, Dragon Guard. This title will be related to the currently running manga. Uh, people who are working on it, I don't recognize their names. Oh, people who worked on Nier and the first Dragon Guard are working on it. Uh, music's Keichi Okabe, who did the music in Nier. That's a good thing. Um, and uh, that's some story stuff. So yeah, new Dragon Guard. So uh, is it scheduled for release this year? Go ahead. Same basic gameplay. Same basic gameplay. Yes, 
Game, okay, same so- gameplay known in the series with ground-based sword combat as well as aerial combat on the back of a dragon. It's in development at Axis Games and scheduled for release in Japan in 2013. <sighs> well, I guess there hasn't been like a Dynasty Wars in a while. Let's see. Axis Games has made such things as Lord of Arcana, Lord of Apocalypse, Basra HD Collection, like of the Ace Combat X. So I don't know about them doing. I guess I don't know. It's I don't just know. a Dynasty Warriors game. I mean, is it? anyone right. can do it. Yeah, I didn't with RPG it, so. tropes. Cool. So there you go. Um, is it important, relevant, or interesting? Not to anybody on this show, apparently. Uh, it, it's it's it was. Uh, a weird story with dragon packs and incest and kingdoms and nations and people being bad and finding your dragon nature. And then the combat was, you know, uh, you level up. You just up, described you, Game of Thrones, by the way. It, it's it's fine. <laughs> Dynasty War. It's a Japanese Game of Thrones with Dynasty Warriors. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Perfect description. <laughs> Boom. Done. Made done. it easy. Done. Did the SimCity launch fiasco and the insane and controversial launch of Aliens Colonial Marines, where demo footage did not match real gameplay, make you change your mind about pre-ordering games? Or has your opinion, either positive or negative, stayed pretty much the same? Don't pre-order games, yo. Well, I don't tend to pre-order on PC unless there's some limited collector's thing going on. And I, my philosophy on pre-orders has always been for the longest time now, um, I only pre-order if I get some cool swag or bonus for it. And yeah, but- you know what? That stuff has gone away lately. And the, the pre-order bonus and swags have been just these crappy little DLC codes that don't matter. Do you really need, like, a golden gun? Yeah. I mean, do you need to, like... No, seriously, do you need to give pay $60 for a product you haven't seen that no one's seen? You don't even know if you're going to like, but you maybe you assume you're going to like because you love the franchise. But I see that's another problem. Well, now, hold on, many- hold on. There's two different types of pre-orders here. You're talking about the pre-order where you pre-order it on Steam or something, but I'm talking about like the pre-order where you just put $5 down at GameStop and you can get it back if you don't want the game after you hear about the reviews. You don't really get that $5 back, though. Well, I, I do because I, I don't have anything else to pre-order. No, it goes into their credit system, doesn't yes, it? Yes, but you can ask for it back. Okay. You, you know, know, the funny thing is they use that money and they put it into their bank and make interest off of it. I know. Here's the thing that I think people need to realize is that don't pre-order from EA. It's <laughs> Period. You know, actually, like, it's a big I company. Make, I was going to make the same point, actually, is that basically my... If it's a my, big company, pre- don't waste your time. Um, why are the cops pulling up to our house? Anyways, if it's a niche company like Atlas, like Axis, never mind, they just drove away. Um, Like Atlas and Axis and Natsume and Nisa and um, all of those little, like, small niche companies exceed. It is really, really important that you pre order their games because it gives them a really good. Um, leverage point to get the game on retail shelves. I remember when I had to pre-order Atlas games just to get a copy, period. Right. I mean, Atlas is... I'm I'm not going to say falling out of that market, but Atlas is definitely on top of that small niche company. Like, they're not really small or niche anymore. But Yeah, I, but I remember back to, like, Devil Summoner, I had to pre-order to make sure I got the Raiho plushie and to, the game itself. Yeah, yeah. I had to actually... I think I ended up buying it from Amazon.com. And paying like the thirty dollars to import it to Canada. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. most of the time, I f- pre-orders for the Golden Gun. Forget about it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's so many games right now where yeah. just like oh, all yeah. you get is a Golden Gun 
and or even, a skin in multiplayer for a character you don't even really care about. It's when you have a predator bonus that it's like GameStop has one and Best Buy has one and Amazon has one and they're all different. Oh, and if you pre-order here, you get the thing with the thing. If you pre-order here, you get this thing with this other thing. And if you want the whole thing, you need to buy it from six different retailers. Or right. get it's it. Just, that's dumb. But I mean, for a niche title from a small company, pre-ordering is really important because it gets... And it also gives them an idea of how many copies to print. You know, it's funny, too. Like the, the I hope the aliens calling Marines pop people a lesson where... Well, I feel like... There's a problem. Another, there's another problem that's like sort of infects nerd culture and video game culture, in particular, where where you say, "Take my money," you know, "Shut up and take my money." You're, you're, you're I'm a fan of this franchise. You can do no wrong. Shut up and take my money. And I remember it was total. I think it was total biscuit was saying, or somebody else was saying, like, "How about instead of shut up and take my money?" Or was it Jim Sterling? I don't know who said it. Anyway, it was like, "How about shut up and earn my money?" You know, just just because. You bought the other Resident Evil games, and every other it doesn't mean you have to buy. You know, basically blindly put your money down and get the next one, even if it's like completely broken. Because all you're teaching them is that they can put the name of the franchise that you like on a box, take a crap in it, and they can sell it to you for sixty bucks. That's all you're teaching them. I don't know. It feels like so many of these companies are so exploited of their fans now. Hey, like they don't even try. Hey, now I like my Nino Kuni book. Oh, but. I feel like level five wasn't being exploitative of its fans in them right. in that situation. All right, good. There's, I think there's a lot of situations where they'll be like, they'll buy it no matter what. Who cares? Aliens fans, they'll buy it because they want an Aliens games. We don't have to try. Who cares? Um, I was just going to say, I, I think EA is about the only company that I don't pre-order for. I will still pre-order from some large companies. Like, I did, um, I pre-ordered Heart of the Swarm. Um, I just have a couple. Wait, of, what do you get for pre-ordering Heart of the Swarm? I have the collector's edition for it. Mm. You know, the funny thing is, those collectors are still in stock everywhere. Oh yeah, no, I know they are. Oh man, but... you'll be proud of me. I made my decision to not buy the physical collector's edition of Heart of the Swarm. It's not worth it. It I, was well, because there's no. Honestly, you know what it was? There was no USB or or extra. They're they're one item short versus their other collector's editions. Yeah, there was no actually no no no. It was in there. It was just a mouse pad instead of like a Diablo skull head. Right. Um. But also Namco Bandai. I've pre-ordered I have most of the Tales games. I think. Um. And uh, uh the recently released Macross Thirty as well. I pre-ordered that. Um. But yeah, no, I agree though with other with like smaller companies like Indies or even just Kickstarters in a way because Kickstarters could be seen as like pseudo pre-orders in a way. Seems to be how they're running it. Yeah, <sighs> it's weird. I'm I'm kind of like angry about pre-orders sometimes because I I always hear from people like maybe like when I go to these gaming. Co- I think that's why I still go to community events. It's like I think I talk to people who are so entrenched in the gaming industry all the time that it's it's nice to talk to normal people. <laughs> you know, take gaming as a hobby and like one of the interesting things like i feel like the market the, the the pre-order machine has been so ingrained into people like people tangentially attached to the video game industry that's like one of the first questions that people ask me it's like so did you pre-order the new god of war did you pre-order god did you pre-order that yet did you pre-order this yet like as if it's that that's the default action is if there's a game you want you're mildly interested in you you set your 60 dollars aside regardless of whether it's going to be good or not and you st- commit yourself to it Oh boy! All right, so yes, 
Which is yeah, weird though, because wait, I, I just wish people would just wait one day. It'll still cost sixty dollars if you wait till Tuesday. I mean, but of course, there's the part of that thing though, where you, you want to be the first in line. You want to be there with everybody else on that first day, which is why. If it is good, you want the experience of being there first. If it's good, right? And then having the surgeries not work because everyone is there because well, it's good. I don't know if that, that explains SimCity, but okay. Well, didn't you read the press release, remember? <laughs> yeah, the too many people well, playing, having People fun. really love our game, so oh, it's I, quite flattering to see that there's so many people trying to get out at the same time. That's why it's not working. I know. Uh, if there's one game I'm up to speed on, it's SimCity. All right, so <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's move on to question three. So Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima-san recently sat down with Edge Magazine to talk about the next-gen game development. Bottom line? It's expensive, and getting the high-quality gameplay people expect to around the usual MGS length of 30 to 40 hours could take years and tons of people. We kind of expected this, so he proposes episodic content to test the water. Would you guys be into something like this, or is this another Half-Life 2 Episode 3 waiting to happen? Um, Oh, he gives us a quote. I think there's a different way of tackling this problem, something similar to a TV series, where you can use pilot episodes to test the waters before you jump completely into the project. Kojima offered, it can be distributed via download channels, so the player can try it out before production continues. Something like that wouldn't take long to create, maybe a year, and if it's successful, you can continue. Um, hmm. So he's going to... Okay, a year is a long time to run a studio to just beta test whether or not a game concept, isn't it? Yeah. I I don't know that that makes sense for most studios. (laughs) Maybe for his. (laughs) I think maybe... I think most average people won't be able to tell the difference. Well, I think two things. Two things. Is that 30 to 40 hours is not the norm anymore for most games. I don't even think Metal Gear Solid 4 was 30 to 40 hours. I think most people think that a 12 to 15 hour campaign is long at this point. It depends on the game type. type. Like a Tomb Raider. Yeah, okay, yes. 12 to 15 hours is a long experience. That's what people expect for a game like that. And I think that's just us evolving to the point where, yeah, we've seen so much stuff before, we only want to see the new stuff, and once it gets old, we want to be done with the game. It seems to be what our attitudes are nowadays. And RPGs now, I feel like like 30 hours is a long RPG now. Like The Witcher 3 is going to be around 30 to 40. A long RPG is still 100 hours because they're still being made and they're still freaking long. Yeah, but look at what a lot of that are like games like Persona where it's all theater of the mind stuff, not like The Witcher where you're riding on a horse in an open world, you know, fighting monsters with a companion. Yes. All right. That makes sense. But, um, hmm. You know, like shooters, like six-hour experiences, and then you spend all your time in the multiplayer, which doesn't have to look that great either. Yeah. I I just, maybe for the particular kind of game that he wants to make, it's not feasible the next generation, but I think a lot of people are just going to be fine. And then for the rest of the stuff, you use like a, like look at Skyrim's footprint, which was like maybe four gigs, because all of that was like just generated with math, you know? Mm-hmm. All, there weren't a bunch of unique assets. It's more like, okay, we need this tree repopulated a hundred times in every direction. So, so speed maybe tree be, will save the next generation. Honestly, probably <laughs> a lot of middleware. I mean, if you look at the stuff that they're talking about with uh, Unreal Engine 4, where a lot of you can, you know, you just prototype stuff really quickly. There's a lot of tools in there, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of easy ways. Like, just drop a bunch of buildings and replicate this building a hundred times. Okay, now I'll edit this building slightly. Okay, now we have so more <laughs> I'm plus, I think maybe not focus so much on graphics and focus people are going to focus more on AI and bigger cities and yeah more, I, more I think that's one social. of the, the one of the things people are ignoring is like the option to 
have graphics the same level as this generation and just doing more back-end processing things, right? Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, is I actually went to a studio a couple weeks ago. I have to like write up a whole thing about it, but I went to um, a studio in Vancouver that they develop lighting technology for games. Mm. And the cool thing is, is you can drop it into either engines or art programs. And like just the amount of depth it adds to a game is unbelievable. Like he was showing me some screenshots. It's like, this is, you know, traditional lighting and this is what our program does. And I mean, even some old games like the Unreal Engine um, was, the difference was phenomenal. And I mean, I think that's something that more developers need to shoot for is I don't need it to be prettier and prettier, but I maybe want it to be a little more deeper. And because that's such a vague concept, it's going to be so much harder to pin down, which is why I think companies are still going for the prettier and prettier as opposed to the deeper and deeper. So I want to see more companies like this and, you know, this sort of software being put in more games because it just gives a level of depth, even to games that aren't realistic, that I'm excited for. That's what I want out of the new technology. Because I want to feel more immersed. She does, yeah. Master Chief doesn't understand what you mean by more deeper. Yeah, well, and I mean, this is the problem is, is it's hard to explain. It's um, the more atmosphere. World, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good way of doing it. Just like not worrying about higher textures, but more atmosphere to sort of just. It's like, I don't care how many pores the old dude has in his face. <laughs> I want it to, you know, I want him to be expressive. I want the light to hit him correctly. I want to feel like he's a person. And I mean, that doesn't mean ultra realistic necessarily. I mean, I felt like the cardboard aspect of Paper Mario just made it that much more real and connected. And I could fall into that world so much better. But I mean, a lot of that is lighting and other, you know, small features like that. You know, in a lot of ways, what I expect for the next gen is uh, like just maybe like Battlefield 3, like the way Battlefield 3 looks now on consoles. I mean, on, on PCs, that on a, on a TV with a solid frame rate and like Battlefield 3 multiplayer, instead of having like 20, like 16 people in a match, you're going to have like, you know, 40 or 50, you know, and have that be stable. I, that's what I expect. Just sort of what PCs look like right now, but with more stuff happening and reliable and stable, more players, more connectivity. So, And I think that we also need to start being realistic about our expectations of time versus money. Hopefully I mean, Kickstarter's teaching that to people. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. And I mean, the problem is, is I feel like I don't know, maybe Melanger Solid hasn't really defined itself well. Because if it's like, you know, the, it's the point that you made, Manny. It's like, if it's a shooter, I expect a 5 to 10 hour campaign and multiplayer, and I'm going to pay $60 for it. And that expectation is not considered unusual or unreal or, you know, unreasonable. But I mean, we were actually having a conversation on the Natsume Facebook page because Carnage Heart EXA is coming out on Tuesday. It's going to be 30 bucks, And mm-hmm. someone piped up in the comments, well... You know, Class of Heroes is going to be 19 or $25, and it has hundreds of hours of content. I'm like, yeah, but, I mean, you're trying to compare an apple to a grapefruit. I mean, sure, they're both video games, but one's a dungeon crawl that, you know, is buffered by – it's it's Etrian Odyssey 4. It's buffered by, you know, 30 hours of grinding and 20 hours of story, and that's what makes up a 50-hour game. I mean, it would be like complaining about the fact that Valkyria Chronicles isn't that long because the story doesn't take that long to get through, and the tactical missions can be done if you know what you're doing in 15 minutes. 
Totally. Yeah. But at the same time, for a gamer who's looking for time for their buck, one is a better decision. <sighs> Not necessarily, yeah. because... Well, no, but... Just, so, no, Anna, people game for different reasons, right? Right. Some people want something that's in their system for a long time, and they want to spend as little as possible to get the most mileage out of it. Some people want a deeper, more story-driven experience, or whatever Carnage Hearts offers. I don't know much about the game, but... <laughs> Yeah, but I, I feel like for those game, people who game by who want their dollar an hour or whatever ratio, mm-hmm. I I don't know They're if the developers necessarily. I don't know if a developer should necessarily aim for that. Well, our game is better than that, or our game is gonna you know for every thirty minutes you it's one hour of game. I don't I don't I don't know I don't really want to know if I want to see a lot of developers just sort of doing that. Maybe games like that happen because that's what you know sort of like a persona. I don't know if they aimed for a hundred hour game, but. Due to their design and the nature of the game, that's what emerged. I much rather see those kind of games or like so, an endless. And yeah. I think that you have a, a bad interpretation of um, game for your money, Chris, because the kind of people that you're talking about yeah. don't buy a twenty-five dollar game that they expect a hundred hours out of. They buy the sixty-dollar Call of Duty game once a year. That is kind of true, and then they play that one game. Not if they're RPG players. Those guys, I don't know how to help. Just, just buy Skyrim. And just... Yeah, no, I mean, but there's people who do that. They buy Skyrim or they buy the long dungeon crawler, the long 100-hour RPG, because they only want to buy a couple RPGs a year, right? Yeah, but then even then, like the Sky- Bethesda is using lots of tricks to make, to sort of... It doesn't matter. They're getting something out of it. I mean, At the like same time, it. I think if people <laughs> are looking for a game that's long, I think they're going to pay no matter what for it. Hmm. No, I, I think if I no, Chris. I think if the emphasis is I need a hundred hour game, then they're going to pay for it, whether it's twenty five or fifty five. Well, not if they're side by side. Except they're not. Yeah, and that's and that's that's part of the realities of when things have come out here. But um, for this dude, it sounds like he's at the point where he needs to make that decision. Oh well. Anyway, because there's not a lot of games coming out this month, Anna. I don't know if you noticed. Um, except Tomb Raider and um, other games. Never mind. I, I'll take that back. All right. So here, before we move on, uh, doesn't Bioshock Infinite come out like next week? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> There's a lot coming out this month. Crazy. All right. From nothing to everything, all at once. All right. So there's a bonus bonus part of this question. He says, compare your answer with that of Lords British or excuse me, Ultima's Lord British. What he's recently said about episodic common MMOs. Um, and I'm going to do this in a fake English accent because he's British, right? One of the biggest mistakes of MMOs. Actually, he's not British. But oh, he's not? Really? No. Oh. Isn't Richard Gary an American? Uh, I'm going to still British do it as Richard Gary is English. Yeah, I'm still going to oh. do it in a fake British yeah, he's, accent. He's British. Listen, oh, I've got a terrible British accent and I need to bust it oh. out right now. All right, let me All right, go this. for it. One of the big mistakes of MMOs is spending three to five years and hundreds of millions developing the thing, then having no one like it. He said in an interview with Shaq News, I think you need to start smaller, get players in earlier, and have the game grow along with them. Good job, Ringo. I agree. I know. That's what I... It's like, this is sounding like Ringo or an Australian. All right, whatever. <laughs> so th- there you go. Um, how do you start small with an MMO? Is that even possible? Because hmm. people are going to ask why you're putting out an incomplete game. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, usually what you see when you start small with an MMO is people get through your small content and they're like, there's no end game, next. And they don't come back. 
I mean, if he really wants to see what that looks like, he should go back and look at the history of Path of Exile. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is that? Because when they first came out, they had one chapter, and now they have three. Mm -hmm. But that was a... But the game isn't actually out yet, Anna. Right, but I mean, it's still continuing to evolve. Right. But I mean, this is exactly what he's talking about, where they actually did release, and they were really small. Okay. But oh. And they have grown out from there. But it's not an MMO. Close enough. Okay. Well, then it can work, because it seems to be working well for Path of Exile. I think it works for them because they teeter the line between Diablo clone and MMO. I hate using that term, but you know what I mean. Uh, okay. All right. So, so the question at large here then is: Can you do? Is there room for kind of like Kickstarter, but to do it on the download uh, on the game platforms themselves with these little episodic games, right? And that's basically what they're saying: is instead of it being Instead of doing Kickstarter for some of these more established publishers, let's let's do our crowdfunding essentially by putting a small prototype game out and seeing if people buy it. Right, that's um, what they're basically doing, right? I don't know. It, it's a perception thing. Do you trust the company? Maybe. I don't know. There's, it depends what company. What company? <laughs> a, there's a big amount of... I mean, here's the problem is, is to do the sort of game that he's talking about, you have to be a big company. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, this concept that MMOs can be run by a small team is laughable. Which uh, is interesting since he's got a Kickstarter to do one, right? Or is uh, Ultima's going to be an online one, right? I don't remember. Yeah, Shrouder the Avatar. Yes. Oh, forget it. Let's Which just is Ultima on. Online 2, Chris. Is it? Because there's an offline mode. Well, no. We have a story about that later. No, no, no. It's you said it's Ultima Online, but Ultima Online already exists. Oh, okay. You're right. Fair enough. I take it back. All right. Enough of this. This is confusing. Write in if you have comments on this concept of, yeah, of pseudo kickstarting a game with 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 a demo or prototype game or whatever. All right. Number four. How often do you actually play handheld systems outside of the home, or are you mostly lounging around your crib? I have. Here's his list of handheld systems. 3DS, Vita, iPhone, iPad, iGod. What's an iGod? He might mean iPod. iPod? I hope so. The iGod. iGod, it's what Apple wants to develop. <laughs> all right. Um, I play my iPhone games all the time outside the house because uh, I'll play them at breaks or during lunch or while I'm waiting for something in a store and stuff. And not lately I've been playing my 3DS as well um, during lunch and stuff for to play Etrian Odyssey. So, but I don't bring my Vita with me, um, and I don't play a lot of my iPad out of the house. Um, I I will predominantly play my 3DS and my iPhone outside the house. Manny, doing any portable gaming? Um, at home mostly, cause just because portable consoles, aside from like a phone, are big enough that if I'm going out, I, then I need to bring an extra bag. And then, like, the battery life in a lot of these systems are bad enough that I may, okay, now I need to bring a bag. Now I need to bring the charger. I say, eh, F it. I'm leaving okay. it home. I throw the 3DS in my coat pocket and it lasts. All right. Does the battery life last long enough for you? On the XL, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That fits in your coat pocket? Yeah, it does. Big coat? Yeah, big coat. <laughs> Man, I'm Andy. We're talking about Wisconsin winter versus LA winter. Yeah. Oh, all right. Because that's what I'm saying. Like, for me to bring something, I have to bring a bag specifically because I plan on playing a game outside. 
Mm. So otherwise you, you wear something really light and you don't, you know. John, can you play uh, portable games outside with all the fog in your country? Yeah, well, it's actually, so thick you can't any... see in front of your face. Yeah, the uh, usually the timeline, the only time I'm playing um, uh, portable consoles outside of home is when I'm on the train heading somewhere. Well, that works though. Are you on the train often? Uh, if David is not driving me somewhere, train is pretty much how I get around. What do you play on the train? Any system? Uh... Or uh, either I usually in my laptop bag I'm usually carrying my DS, my PSP, and my Vita. Boom. Wait, you you carry your PSP and your Vita? Well, yes. Oh, you have disc-based games on your PSP, don't you? Well, I have like, well, import UMDs as well. <laughs> right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, he's got to play his mech games. I did recently Indeed. play uh, Plants vs. Zombies on a plane. Ooh. Uh, is that it built into a seat back, or is that on a portable system? No, nah, no, nah, on my portable device. That's what I want to see. When does, when does Virgin get Plants vs. Zombies in the seat backs, you know? <laughs> I'm surprised it's not on their toilets. It's everywhere, right? <laughs> it is. All right, next question. If you could only play one and never touch the other, would you pick Grand Theft Auto V or Bioshock Infinite? I can predict everyone on this cast is going to say Bioshock Infinite. Trick right. question. The answer is Saints Row 4. <laughs> the answer is, can I play anything else, please? Oh, Anna, you might like Bioshock Infinite. Actually, you might like GTA Why would 4. I? I don't know. Because you like atmosphere and stuff. You were talking about atmospheric games. Bioshock Infinite's going to be one of the most atmospheric games you can get. Yep. The the, the city itself is, just, is, half, is a character. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you're looking for, that's the game for you. <laughs> Uh, she's not sold. Ask me how much I liked the other two Bioshock games. Did you play the other Whoa, two Bioshock? Why, why First, wait, Bioshock? Hold on, hold on. You did? Yeah. Wait, you played Bioshock? Yeah. On For PC or something? 20 minutes. 20 minutes, okay. So you didn't even get into... You didn't actually play Bioshock if you only played 20 minutes. You're barely even actually, touching the upgrades. My my true answer to the question would probably be Bioshock Infinite because like floating cities, floating islands, and stuff is is kind of like one of my favorite narrative things. Um, I'm just wondering if the rest of the game is actually any good. Yeah, I mean, so but here again, like like Bioshock and Bioshock Two, I probably I'm not going to pick it up at launch. We have I'm another one of these decisions of long game versus potentially bigger impact game with GTA Five versus Bioshock Infinite, don't we? Because GTA Five is almost certainly going to be much longer game, right? Yeah. And much more that you can just mess around with and do for hours and hours. Hmm. Well, I, I'm going to pick about. That, okay, go ahead. Well, even if I had that question, I just I would have picked GTA Five automatically. Oh. Okay. I'm going to. I I just love the idea of going around this gigantic fictional Los Angeles with these three different characters jumping around. And well, just see, and the that's aided stuff. by the fact that you live there, isn't it? Yeah, that's, I yeah. love it. Yeah. I, wanna be, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to go with Bioshock out of these two. But, you I'll know, be honest. I'm not, I can live I, without either, honestly. If I, I, I really want to play GTA V. I legitimately do. I think it's going to be fun to fly around the city in a jet and jump out and parachute and go hiking and, you know, all, all the crazy stuff. Jump in because, you know, there's submarines now. Get your little submarine in the car. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun just dicking around in a proper GTA game. It's been like if they can recapture what uh, San Andreas felt like, which is like probably one of my favorite games when I was growing up 
I guess you should say in high school. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Of course, I am excited about Saints Row, where apparently you're the president and you get superpowers and you fight gigantic city destroying mascots. So, I like open world games. It's like my favorite games. You tell me something's open world, I'm interested. Yep. All right, that wraps up our feedback, everybody. Thank you very much. If you'd like to contribute feedback to the throw, the address is to the throw to the th- show. The address is podcast at rpgamer.com. You can also dial in at 608-729-4098. Leave a message right here on the show. We'll play it for you right here on the show. Let's move on to... I just placed a new pixel person. Okay. He's a footballer named Tim Elbow. Oh, boy. So there's puns in that game is what you're telling me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So let's move on to the news, everybody. Boo, 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 boo. All right, so first thing, since I've got it open, let's talk about it. Um, Lord British is doing a Kickstarter, and we didn't really talk about it last week, did we? We don't care? So they're doing a new Ultima game, and they've got developers. They've got a picture here of here's all the games that people working on this game have worked on, and it's like every game that's come out in the past 10 years, it looks like. (laughs) Anyway, so they're they're making a new Ultima game. There'll be a single player, and apparently there'll be a multiplayer too. I, I don't really get it, so... Um, it's Ultima, it's RPG, um, yeah, there's a multiplayer online game, which can also be played solar player slash offline, figure that out, um, we'll have more on that in a second, um, it's, they wanted a million, they're at 927,000, and, uh, yeah, so they're gonna hit, they've got 21 days to go, they're no, nowhere near as quick or as much funding as the, um, Numenera game that we talked about last week is getting, so mm-hmm. has everyone lost faith in Lord British? Is he done? I think the people. It, that was a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> that was like that was the eighties. The ultimate people are all dead. Is that what it is? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm just saying. Like, just think of a, think of the people who their first gaming system was the PlayStation Two or the PlayStation One. I like this. That first... they've never played an Ultima game. Yeah. Can, here, can I give you guys an example of how out of touch Richard Garriott and this company is? Their first question in the FAQ is why PC. And the first statement is, some people think PC is an outdated platform. But I, to that, I say, not true. Like, wait a second. Has he not been paying attention to the past year where everyone's moving to playing stuff on PCs? I think that conversation is coming from the year 2006. Because <laughs> that's what right. Jeff Green and Sean Elliott are complaining about on my GFWs that I'm listening to. Yeah. I guess now that PS4 is announced, everyone wants to go back to dump on PC again? I, I haven't been no. doing that. No, I didn't think so. I think I think there's no. people out there who hope that the PC development trends continue like this even when PS4 is out, and then maybe we we'll free ourselves from consoles. Ooh. At least, well, I don't think that'll happen. No, all right, fair enough. All right, so <laughs> whatever you can go check that out at Kickstarter. The um, what is it called? Shroud of the Avatar, Forsaken Virtues. So if you want to donate to that, there's a bazillion. Oh, this is the one that has the guilt pledge. All right, so here. The $10 pledge is the following. They have 41 backers. Guilt pledge. Thank Lord British and prove your virtue with a $10 donation. If you ever pirated an Ultima game or used an exploit to grief other players in Ultima Online, here's your chance to repent. For $10 donation, you will receive a clear conscience and Lord British's undying gratitude. Or you can go to the Crayon Dungeon Kickstarter, pay 5 bucks, get the full game, and support some guys who are making something interesting in you. Well, maybe Shroud of the Avatar is interesting. I don't know. 
But I just like oh, that he's... Oh, come on, for their he, $10 guilt trip? He's, se- he's selling indulgences. Uh, all right, Cran, what what did you say? Oh, the Cran Dungeons game. It's like a little Crayon RPG. Dungeons? Okay, I've never heard Like it. everyone's Cran people. Okay. Uh, Cran Chronicles? Hey, there you go. Cran Chronicles, 15 days to go. Coming out of Kirkland, so near our very own Michael Tidwell. Um, let's see. That's Five, an RPG. Oh, wow, they were selling... You could have gotten the game for a buck. But that's all gone. If you don't get the game for a dollar, you can have it for two dollars. Okay. <laughs> all right. Single player, turn-based, RPG, roguelike, on PC, and every eventually Xbox indies. So go check that out. There's another cool Kickstarter. There you go. For two bucks, you can get the whole game. It actually looks nice, and it's whimsical, and it's fun, and no one's trying to guilt you. That's great. And if you want some, if you want some physical swag, they have a nice little lunchbox. <laughs> that's cool. Apple not included. Boom. All right. Donated. I'll give $2. All right. What else we got? Oh, yeah. So we have another piece of news about that Kickstarter. Uh, Yeah, here it is. So Shroud of the Avatar. Man, what a hard name to get your mouth around. Shroud of the Avatar Forsaken Virtue's offline mode is guaranteed to be microchansons transaction and DRM free. So apparently that's an important update that came into this Kickstarter. So it will not include DRM, and it will there will not be any microtransactions in the single-player offline game. Apparently there will be in the online game. So go figure that. All right, we I can tell nobody on this podcast cares about this game. All right, how about Pandora's Tower info? We finally have a a, a month of release for this. So Xseed's bringing this out in the U.S. Pandora's Tower. That was the third of those games that uh, Operation Rainfall was going after, after Xenosaga and, um, excuse me, Xenoblade and uh, The Last Story. Uh, Pandora's Tower will be coming out in the month of April in North America. I have no idea what this game is about. Um, it is, you, uh, you run around a tower and you have to, like, get monster meat to stave off a curse and you swing something around and it's an RPG. And it looks neat. Climb the tower. There's a trailer. You can go watch the video. All right. So what else? Wait, we wait, got? Platform. Did you say platform? Platform. It's a Wii game. Oh. Yeah. Wii U. Wii. Oh. Wii Wii. Okay. Yep. Just like Xenoblade and uh, the Last Story. All right. Yep. There you go. The last big. Is this the last hurrah? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's a new game, Knights and Candles, <laughs> from. German publisher UIG, their new label called The Role Playing Company, which is going to be making, get get this, RPGs. (laughs) And they're going to make a first-person dungeon crawler called Knights and Candles, because apparently that genre is just back, and everyone's releasing first-person dungeon crawlers now. So they've got some screenshots with a bunch of human males that all look the same, and you can see what that looks like. And uh, Knights and Candles will be coming out sometime in second quarter this year, and... I hate That's to be mean, but that does not look very good. No, it doesn't. But, you know, it's early. <laughs> we'll see well, what happens. <laughs> or you can go buy Legend of Grimrock right now. Yeah, go and Wait for Legend of Grimrock too. These guys, they all look like they're in a Swedish death metal band. <laughs> it's true. So if you're into Swedish death metal, maybe you will like this game. All right, we already talked about Drakengard. Moving on to Devil Survivor. It has been bumped up in Europe. Devil Survivor overclocked. 
um, is going to... This is the 3DS remake of the first Devil Survivor game from DS. It'll be coming out on March 29th, which is ahead of the April 5th release date. So good news for you. I have some more good news for Europe. John, you paying attention? You fell assault off? Sort of. So besides getting overclocked on March 29th, you may finally get Persona 4 Arena! No, yeah, that in, what, May or something? We are now in submission for the Xbox 360 build of Persona 4 Arena, says someone from their Persona Europe Facebook page. Um, Which though, is useless to me because I don't have a 360. So dependent on when it passes, of course, I think it's realistic for me to say we're looking at a May release from publisher Zen United. Wait, is that go. 360 only? Um, yeah, there's been no talk there of the, the PS3 version. Well, not oh. in this article, but maybe they were waiting for the 360 approval. I, I don't know. That's for a simultaneous question. release, yeah. Nobody in your house has a 360, John? No, people in the house do have a 360, but if I'm going to buy it, I'd rather buy it on PS3. Hmm. No, I think the, I, 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 it looks like they're going to do PS3 at the same time and that they're just being held up on the Xbox 316. But yeah. Anyway. Oh, all right. That's all I had for you. If that doesn't get you excited, John, I, I'm sorry. I just don't... I don't know what to tell you. How about EverQuest original EverQuest designer Brad McQuaid coming back and joining the team again? Yeah, no, you see, the thing is, is as I said, Square Enix are releasing an expansion to Final Fantasy XI in less than two weeks. I'd probably be more interested in that for the moment. Oh, well, there's a video that you can go watch about that. But it's hard to talk about videos on a podcast, so I didn't, yeah. All right, well, um, <laughs> for anybody who cares... <laughs> I don't know why this is a story. EverQuest designer Brad McQuaid's rejoined the team after a 12-year absence, and he's really excited to come back. EverQuest is free to play, by the way, so you can go play that whenever you want. <laughs> and there was some news about them um, in honor of it getting 12 years or thir- however many years old it is. They are making it... Um, they were loosening the restrictions on the free-to-play stuff. So, uh, Free EverQuest for everybody! And EVE Online is about to do free downloads for them because they're putting in BitTorrent into their launcher client. Yeah. Man, it's a slow news week. <laughs> I just love... I, I liked reading this article where they talk about how they're putting BitTorrent into the, cl- into the launcher client and tried to justify how this is going to make it better for everybody, including scaring people that, oh, the current method could potentially corrupt your data and stuff. Uh, the EVE Online launcher works fine. There There really aren't any problems with it, but... Um, apparently, I guess they're trying to reduce their server costs, and so not paying for bandwidth—that's one way to do it. John, any in- insight? You're you're my Eve Online insider. What I mean, they're putting something into the launcher that's been part of I don't know the World of Warcraft client for how long? <laughs> Since its release. I, I, I was going to say, is this a, is this is this actually news? Apparently, <laughs> I don't make the stories. All right, <laughs> I just pick them. All right, so Shroud of the oh, we talked about that. Okay, okay, all right, guys, all right. Here's a story for you. So let's say you're unhappy with how Pokemon has been coming along. And you decide, let's make our own. That's what 4chan has decided to do. They're making their own Pokemon game. So they've got a wiki, they've got a playable demo. Um, It it is, uh, I don't know, the title of the game is Cap X. I don't know what's up with that. Um, There's a Fakemon on their wiki that, lists all the Pokemon that have been created for this fake Pokemon game and uh, Pistol Shrimp and Chihaha and all sorts of weird uh, Tulip. It looks like a Tulip. Um, yeah, 
you can you can download the demo and play it right now and uh they're making the game and i don't know what's going on and uh that that's it it's just nah no oh my gosh anna anna you can choose to become one of two trainers in this new pokemon game simon or sophia that's weird my cat's names are simon and sophie I don't know what's going on. I have to play this Pokemon game because my cats are in it. How did this happen? <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> All right. As Cavalier in the chat room says, Nintendo lawyer, I choose you. Well, I don't think they're going to sell it, so I don't know that Nintendo's going to crack up, crack down on them. They're not going to use the words Pokemon. Anna, did you fall asleep? She did. Anna fell asleep. Nice. Oh, that happens sometimes. All right. We were going so strong. And we were going so strong, and then just the news oh. killed you. All right, how about Terra, free-to-play? Uh, <laughs> Dude, it's just all free-to-play MMOs and Kickstarter. <laughs> all right, well, this is all right. more than half a million new players for Terra in Europe. I was hoping to hear from Anna on this. If this was normal for free-to-plays, they get about half a million. Okay, I can't hear from Anna. Cause she's... Um, actually, what I was thinking was... Um, this you apparently know, is just in Europe. Go ahead. Considering... Um, what was the question? Uh, the, Oh, um, Terra. They went huh? half a. They've got Terra's gotten free to play, and they've got more than half a million new players. That seems a little low. It seems a little low. Well, this was only in Europe. Oh, then that's high. That's high. Okay. That's really high in Europe. Really? Isn't Europe a bigger population than the U.S.? Yeah, but the problem is, is well, it depends on what they're going to define as Europe. I mean, particularly countries like. Um, Eastern European countries like Turkey and Greece and a couple of other ones in that area. It's a zero-one equation. Either no one in the country plays it or everybody in the country plays it. Okay. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a really peculiar phenomenon that free-to-plays just either get completely entrenched in the country or no one is interested in playing it. Okay. Same thing happens in Singapore, actually, to the point that if your game gets popular, the Singapore government basically contacts you and is like, here's a million dollars to continue developing a Singapore-specific game. Go for it. Nice. What were you going to suggest, uh, John? Um, I was just thinking that considering this has been the week of the of continued fallout from the uh, SimCity stuff, it seems like an almost perfect opportunity for certain companies to just leak some bad news about something or other. Oh, okay. But, you know, nobody seems to have done that. Because everyone's occupied with EA and SimCity, you just sneak some sneak some press release well, that's not going to go down quite so well as something else. But Look how well that did for uh, Zynga when they tried to announce that they fired a bunch of people close to the studio during the Apple iPad mini event. Well, but that's because they did something during a positive thing. They need to do something during a negative thing that's even worse yeah, than the, them, right? I, 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 well, not wishing to, well, not wishing to get too political, it's the, the, the British government are quite good at it. <laughs> really? Yeah, wait for the wait for the wait for the entire thing to be embroiled in a scandal and just you know ca- casually leak some quiet quieter news to the so press. So that's why this they keep the royals gonna, around. This is something that's going to come up in the West Wing, Chris. Okay, because they talk about taking out the trash. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's because a column has you know six inches. If you give them eight stories to fill those six inches, each individual story gets less coverage. Mm-hmm. I okay. think uh, the joke I remember was made on uh, the um, the panel quiz of I Got News For You a number of years ago when the um, longtime host at the time 
um, hit the front pages of the tabloids after sleeping with a prostitute. Um, and then he then sh- um, sort of sh- <laughs> showed up for the next recording afterwards. And I, I think one of the guests commented that because all the tabloids are occupied talking about him, the government should just go ahead and leak some more news. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> oh. uh, I think the transport secretary might have done. <laughs> nice. Uh, what about the finance minister? Oh, wait, that's me. Uh, never mind. Um, so let's see. Following... Uh, okay, we already talked about it. So we don't know any numbers about how it went in the U.S. I'm assuming it went up in popularity here by an even bigger number. Um, if I ever find out, I'll let you know. All right. We already found out Persona 4 Arena is coming to Europe, but we also found out Pikachu is coming to the U.S. Anyone who's been There's excited... There's things that came to Europe this week. River King Game Boy Color came out on the... Um, European eShop. In fact, it came out two weeks early in Europe, two weeks earlier in Europe than it will in North America. Hmm. And so will Harvest Moon Game Boy Color. It'll be out in Europe before it comes out in North America. So Pikachu came out, is coming out in the US. Yeah, but the inside's so boring. Yes, but the outside has Pikachu on it and weird Pika nipples. But Yeah, I was thinking yeah, the same thing. Am I the only one who saw that? Oh my gosh. Seriously, those are his shoulders. Nipples don't go there. <laughs> It looks like it's a weird angle. It does. It's a very weird angle. <laughs> Pika nipples. Um, unfortunate placement of the cameras. Um, so, yeah, you got Pikachu on the top and his tail on the back. And it, so if you fold it out, it looks kind of cool. Pikachu staring up at you. And you look on the inside, it's just a white 3DS XL. But uh, it's coming to the U.S., confirmed at 200 bucks, and there's Pikachu. So if you've been waiting for a cooler 3DS than the current ones, that's coming. Anna, you didn't hear this because you were apparently away from the mic. Um, 4chan is making a Pokemon game, and the trainer names are Simon and Sophia. Really? Yes. I knew that they were making a Pokemon game, but that's cool. That's an interesting coincidence. Why, why are they named after my cats? I don't know. Uh, you've got a fan, apparently. Uh, I don't think so, but that's funny. Um, Pokemon Rumble U. All right, guys. We've been waiting for Nintendo to capitalize on the NFC thing on Wii U and sell figures for it based on the Pokemon franchise, right? Late they, to the party. They announced they're doing it. So here we go. Pokemon Rumble U. This is the action game where you run around and attack a Pokemons and just mash buttons and stuff. I haven't played any of the Pokemon Rumbles other than that at an event once, the first one. Um, they, it's coming out in Japan on March 24th. It'll use the NFC feature, and they're selling six different figures, including um, uh, the Kiki guy and the Bulbasaur and the Pikachu. and The, the... Kiki guy? Do you mean Hitmonchan? No, or no. The... No, the one in the later games who's kind of... Hitmontop? Rilo, Riolu. Riolu. Oh, Riolu. Okay, Vic- the one that's in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, and then Bulbasaur, Pikachu, Victini, um, the little flame bird, and then the little flame of ice flame. penguin. Do you mean Piplup? Piplup is the ice penguin, but who's the flame bird, the little tiny one? He's a starter. You don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> yes so those that's what they're selling and how does it work um oh torchic that's the name of it of course torch and a chick yeah so they're those are those are and the seventh unnamed rare figure in limited quantities that they haven't announced they're two bucks a piece essentially 200 yen oh they're um, capsule toys and yep. sold at the pokemon center that's not bad at all that's a great idea yep get people keep going to the pokemon center they're cheap there's you a, get them like a little capsule toy they're Fun. selling a case designed to hold all the figures 
that's great too because it's yeah, from the, we know how well that works. Wait, I'm yeah. looking at these figures now. They don't look as nice as the Skylanders. No, do. they don't. They're little tiny capsule toys. Um, and then what is he? Uh, you put take the figures, put it on the Wii U game pad in the left corner. It'll read and transfer the Pokemon into the game for use in battle. So this is how you add the Pokemon to your game. It sounds like. And you can also cut, catch Pokemon in game without purchasing the figures, but you players will not be able to upgrade their abilities. So pe- Pokemon spawned with the figures can be trained and given power boosts using in-game coins. Um, now, one of the things that Skylanders does, does is it puts stats back into the figure. Um, and it doesn't look like this is going to do that. So this is not really the implementation people were expecting, but it's it's something. Such a lackluster announcement. Disney went all out with theirs. Yeah. Pokemon, or Nintendo and, I don't know, I wanted to say they don't know how to do merchandising, but they do in other areas, just not in the this area. I don't know what why it's so hard. There's so many good examples for them to follow, too. So, all right. All right, who's looking forward to Final Fantasy fourteen? I think I'm, like, I'm not really looking forward to it, but, you know. You're not not looking forward to it? semi-interested. What if I told you they were adding Magitech armor from Final Fantasy VI into the game? Uh, it's not news. We already knew that. Oh. Well, <laughs> they're doing it. <laughs> and uh, they've got pictures up now, and it looks really cool. So, um, And it's just mock-ups, but they're going to do that, and I don't know why how they're being integrated in the game, but you can get Magitech armor. So yeah. It's probably going to be mounts or something. Okay. That's cool. Alongside Chocobos. Oh, wait, if only mounts is not cool. I want to be able to shoot tech missiles. This is very important. <laughs> I need tech missile on my Magitek armor. It's very, very important. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, Noodle in the chat room says she's excited for Final Fantasy fourteen. So there you go. Fire Emblem sold a lot of copies, not just to us. Um, 180,000 copies in its first month on store shelves. And uh, let's see. So 117,000. That's 117,000 physical and 63,000 digital. That's the highest debut for any game in this series in the U.S. thus far. Wow. So so if it's the biggest selling Fire Emblem ever in the U.S., that would explain why it was hard to find physically, I guess. People are just so in need of RPGs on the 3DS. <laughs> so it's not too surprising. Um, let's see. The previous game, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, to date, that's from from when it released years ago to now, 250,000 copies total. So, um, Fire Emblem Awakening did 70% of that in 28 days, so it's likely to sell a lot more. Good good news for Fire Emblem fans. All right. Nippon- we'll see more of these in the future. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, let's see. Oh, these are Japan only. I'm sorry. I had a story that Nipponichi released some videos explaining the story of Disgaea 1 to help get people ready for the Disgaea 2 sequel, or the Disgaea 1 sequel. Um, but they're only in Japanese, so never mind. I guess we'll skip over that. And now, till Nipponichi America brings them out. Um, Classic Heroes 2 has a date. March 26th. Um, and it'll be out on the PSP and PlayStation Vita, both on that day. <laughs> so none of these issues with it only being available on PSP. <laughs> so Yeah, I think Sony's finally resolved those issues. All right, so you know that thing they did on their website where people pledged to buy something in a physical release, but they weren't actually a pre-order? Mm-hmm. So they're finally going to do that. Okay, so the physical release is going to happen after the game's out digitally, so it'll be in April. And they're going to start taking orders next week 
um, which is the week it comes out digitally, they're going to start taking orders for the physical release. So this will be the actual point where you can actually order and reserve yourself a copy of the physical release. I think they've killed themselves doing it this way. I, me too, but whatever. That's uh, that's it. That is it. That's it for news. That's it for Man, cup, classic you heroes. missed like a hundred stories. Oh, tell me. I got some good ones for you. I've been you waiting been, quietly yeah. this whole time. Okay. Okay, so you know the Mass Effect 3 Citadel DLC? Yeah. The soundtrack, you know, done by Sam Hulick and some others? Yep. Free to download. Oh, where do I get it? Uh, the BioWare Social Network. BioWare Social Network. Okay. Free to download. Okay. So you can get all those little cool tracks. Maybe the house party music. I'm going to pick it up as soon as this show's over. Okay, so that's a quick little update. Number two, this was the big news of the week. Cyberpunk 2077 will have multiplayer. It's been confirmed by CD Projekt Red. And multiplayer is in consideration for The Witcher 3. Ooh, how will that okay. work? So let me give you the quick little details. Okay, uh... okay so you're a gamer. When they were speaking with um, Adam Bukowski said that we, uh, will be a story, Cyberpunk 27 will be a story-based RPG with amazing blah, 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 but we're going to add single-player features. So it's mainly a single-player game with single-player playthroughs, but they're going to be adding multiplayer features. So right now, it doesn't know. We don't, we're don't. we not sure what that means. I doubt it's going to be like a multiplayer combat arena, but maybe just like sharing stuff, maybe people coming into your game and helping you in combat. At this point, everything's up in the air. But they also said that... Uh, It wasn't clear if it was just okay. They were hiring recently. You know, they had positions for uh, multiplayer engineers or multiplayer people, and they said it's a possibility. We're thinking about it, maybe for The Witcher Three, no guarantees. So, just those two little tidbits: Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven multiplayer confirmed, maybe Witcher Three. Okay, um, I told you about the soundtrack. Okay, so the other big news of the week is that Bethesda has opened an official store. Have you heard about this, Chris? No. How's this work? Okay, so go to store.bethesda. Ooh, I do know how this works. It gave me a 404 earlier this week. Store.bethsoft.com? Yep. B-E-T-H-S-O-F-T. All right, it's up now. Ooh, I can get a Skyrim hoodie. Okay, so the the big highlights, it seems, everyone thinks are the, are the Vault 101 shoes. Ooh. And the Vault 101 sweat, like the basically the Fallout stuff. But the shoes are what everyone is talking about. Really? Yeah, go check out the Vault 101 shoes. They These are, are basically five dollars. That's how much shoes cost. No, that's how much good shoes cost. That's how much like a pair of Asics cost. Yeah, on those, are, those are better shoes. No, those look at the design. Those are basically Asics. But they don't. I'm say telling you, I, I had shoes like those, but they had like the white stripes from Asics, okay. well, literally the exact same design. And if they say it's made by an actual company that I recognize, that that's that's good. But they don't say that. I'm thinking they just contracted a company like Asics, and then they just skinned it with their and, own. And I'm just saying, there's a good chance they contracted a crappy company too. So I'm I'm a little concerned to buy eighty five dollars shoes that might fall apart because they're really made just to be kitsch. You know? Well, what worries and concerns me more is that they're selling shoes, but they're not Zappos. So you better make sure you get the size you want. Oh, that's cause... right. That's right. Okay, you can also put a de- what? You can put a deposit down to reserve. Okay, so it's a hundred dollar deposit to reserve a Dragonborn statue. Yeah, wow. that's one of the rare things. That's crazy. What's Grognak? I don't know what that is. 
There's some sort of Grognak t-shirt. The Barbarian. But what do you think of the shoes themselves? Do you think they're stylish? Would you ever wear something like that? Um, well, considering that the only thing they have is a Photoshopped picture of the shoes with a pasted on 101. Um, yeah. No, but like just pretend. Let's just come on. You know what I'm asking. Um, would I you, would, would you ever I wear, wear bright it to, blue I shoes? I would wear it to a gaming event with my Vault, with my vault 101 shirt. Like I a PAX East or a PAX yeah. Pride. But, yeah. but you would never walk down the street with those. You know what? I would. Yeah. All right. I, I would be okay with that. I, I like to wear gaming stuff in my normal life. I have a job that I don't have to dress up for. So, yeah, I would do that. I'd be cool with that. Uh, the hoodie is pretty nice, but I think that's too blue for me. But, yeah, I don't like that hoodie. Um, um, the shirts are a little lackluster. Like the prints on it, I seem like very minimal. Like they didn't try very hard. Oh, that's cool. But they have like um, the the each of the little factions in the Skyrim. They have their logos on a shirt. Oh, the little pubs. Yeah, they have the pubs shirts too. Oh, they have the pubs too. Okay, cool. Um, that's something. What else we got? What else uh, are people I, going crazy over? Uh, I I was excited for the new California Republic shirt, except it's really cr- it looks really crappy. Because I, I I thought it was going to be. I remember when I saw. It. Do you remember Chris when we saw Rage and New Vegas that year? Yeah. They were all wearing those new California Republic shirts. Those shirts were very nice. They had, you know, the great big graphic on the front. They had the cool lettering on the back. They had stuff on the sleeve. You know, they were really nice shirts. But this one is just not so much. Crappy garbage. All right, let's see. It looks like they have. Ooh, this is good. Th- these guys are really screwing the pooch when it comes to pimping their items because they have a Timbuktu messenger bag, which is wait. No, I take it back. I take it back. It's missing the little symbols. Never mind, it's not. So they have a bag that looks like a Timbuktu bag, which is like what you want to buy for a messenger bag, but this yeah. might not actually be one. Yeah, so that's what you make me think. Everything's slightly off-brand. I, it, <laughs> everything's in the, I have I, – I know because I have one sitting next to me, and I'm just looking at this bag. Everything's in the right place. The stitching seems like it could be like a legitimate Timbuktu-produced but branded bag, but – you know, it's weird though. Maybe you're right. Maybe these are all just knockoffs because literally that shape and design I've bought like that design from Asics. Like even like the, the you know, the the dual layer of the sole. Yeah. I bought that like five times from Asics already. That's why when I saw it, I recognized it. But it could be, they could all just be cheap knockoffs. Well, if it was a Timbuktu bag, I think it would be more expensive. So, hmm. all right. I don't know. Your mileage may vary, but okay. I think we've talked too long about the store. What did you get? Yeah, yeah. Last <laughs> one, last one for... Uh, just for everyone to know, remember last month I told you about the IGN free game of the month for on iOS? Yes. And you got Need for Speed? Well, I, it's a little late, so hopefully they're not out of codes. But this year, I mean this month's game of the month is Walking Dead Assault, which oh. was that uh, Walking Dead sort of strategy game where you fight off ways of zombies, but based on the comic. Is it any it good? Cost, uh, people seem to like it. So it how do I get it for free? You go just uh, Google search IGN free game of the month. Walking Dead, and you should get to get there immediately. Or I can give you the, yeah. the exact. No, I found hmm? it. I found it. Cool. So anyone else who's interested in a free iOS game that usually costs like three or four dollars, get it from uh, IGN. Hmm. They give you a code and you download it. Is the game any good? People seem to like it, but even if you only have fun for like you know ten minutes, it's free. Yeah, good point. Then just delete it. Cool. All right. So that's it. That's it. I should have right. told you about the soundtrack. There you go. Free stuff. Free get stuff. Get yourself a soundtrack. Get yourself some shoes. By the way, I'm going all over the Bioware social network. I cannot find that soundtrack. 
Ugh. So. Let me see. Hold on, hold on. Source. Mass. Oh, no. I didn't read this. Okay, here we go. My mistake. I'm sorry. I was looking at the source for where it was. Okay, to download the soundtrack, gamers can log into the Bioware website using Origin account they use to play Mass Effect 3. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, there it is. Yeah, so then you go to Games, Mass Effect 3, and then you can get um, the soundtracks. Well, they even have the extended cut soundtrack for free. Yeah, a lot of it's it's all there. Download it. And you just download it. It's a file. How many tracks? It's a zip file. Um, it's three, it's a zip file that is 324 megs, so sizable. 20 tracks it says. Oh. And extended right. cut has seven tracks. So there you go. There, we just told you about 27 tracks you can get. Boom! There you go. Wait. Free free games, free music. I'm awesome. Oh, whoa! You can also just get the Mass Effect 3 soundtrack for free as well if you are owners of the collector's edition or digital deluxe edition. Which you are. I am. So I I'm gonna download that too. I didn't know I could get that for free. Sweet. I win. I win all the things. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> Enough of that. Oh, That's, two oh. less things. Two little less yeah, things yeah, that are just yeah. nerd stuff. Nerd I know stuff. We, we get, we, everyone's got to go. I just want to yeah. ask your two equipment. What do you think of the Samsung event? Um, you know what? I, I didn't even watch it. I, I started hearing about it coming up on Twitter, and I was watching Giant Bomb instead because they were doing yeah. their Wednesday show. And I was like, all right, if I hear something cool, we'll switch over to it. And my, you know, I finally did because I said, oh, they got the phone on the screen. So we switched over to it, and it looks like the Galaxy phone. Well, and then I said, the event, okay, forget this. <laughs> the event was two minutes of phone and like an hour of of cheese. That's what I heard. And Molly Wood was really complaining about it and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm glad I didn't watch that. All right. And last thing. Tragic news. Google Reader is dying. Oh, I use Google Reader for the show press. You know, everyone in the everyone in the game industry uses Google Reader to write their art to keep tabs on everything. So I have switched dead. over to Feedly now. Um, Do you like it? Yeah, it works. It's working just like Google Reader, so it's fine. I All don't right. know why it has to be an add-on for my browser instead of a website, but whatever. It's fine. Cool. Um, All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. We are going to... Oh. New releases for next week for you guys. Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory is coming out for PS3 next week. Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate is coming out on um, the Wii U and the 3DS. And Pokemon Mysterious Dungeon Magna and whatever the other one is, is coming out as well. Um, that's That'll be next Sunday, but yeah. So those are your games that are coming up. Some plenty of stuff for you to play. Hopefully... <laughs> Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory has a better battle system this time around, but at least the writing will be good, I hope. Look forward to our reviews. We're going to catch you next week. Again, if you want to contribute to the show, it's podcast.rpgamer.com. Go to our message boards at board.rpgamer.com in the latest updates section. And finally, 608-729-4098 if you want to dial into the show. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. RPGamer on both. And we will see you next week. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye now. Thank you.